All right, we have several options uh, this morning. Uh, we have, let's see, we have a movie speech uh, that I made some time back and that we never used. Uh, it's still good. It's just been sort of sitting there. Uh, we have opening the show Air America style, or we have uh, something sad. Well, I'm not really, not really. Sad. Well, it's not really sad so much as it is lame. I mean, it's it depends on who you are, I suppose. So we have. Is it, is it like hilariously sad? Like we can make fun of somebody sad? Well, yes, 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 we can. So we have. So we have hilariously lame slash sad. We have Air America style, or I have a movie speech. Does anyone have a preference today? Tim Riley. Tim. Oh. Sarah? Um, I guess the hilariously sad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Rick Emerson program. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. Oh, for commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. In less than an hour. Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps Checking his email. Why, hello. It is uh, 8 minutes and 19 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of April of the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is Monday and welcome to Day 12. All right, we've decided we have to get Bill Pullman on the show live. All right, and the good news is he just has completed a project that should be coming out within the next couple months, also really? starring Tracy Lord. Yeah, really? 
Bill Pullman's on the up and up, I say. Uh-huh. All right. Well, fantastic. That means we could probably get him on the program. So our goal has to be to get Bill Pullman on the on the show and then to have him do uh, the Independence Day speech, like, over the phone to us. Make him dance for our amusement. Fantastic. Oh, that would... Really, that would complete Make life the cycle. Complete. That, that's exactly it. Yeah, no, I could hear the entire thing just sort of connecting in my head right there. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, two uh, cents, whatever uh, you might have today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Can I tell you who the co-headliner is? For who? For for Bill Pullman's latest movie. No, it's not Tracy Lords. It's Michael from Lost. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Excellent. What is it called? What's his new project? Uh, I need to go back. Does it's, it look exciting? It's called Your Name Here. The lines between reality and perception blur in this comic journey into life and mind of one of sci-fi's most brilliant authors. Played All by right. Bill Pullman. All right. Well, with Bill Pullman, it has to be good. Uh, okay, so we're going to put a pin in that as a thing that we have to do at some point in the upcoming few months. Just like Weird Al Yankovic, who I think is going to be in town uh, in late August. Don't even worry about that now. But as time gets closer, uh, we will be obtaining uh, the interviewing services of both Weird Al and Bill Pullman. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, it is Monday. Richie Bristol, about whom we will talk more in a moment. Standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, uh, or the mundane. I just want to say before we do anything else today that Richie has a camera bolted to his hat and is walking around the studio and the station filming everything today. So I was sitting there at my desk up in my office and I was just typing away, doing something or other, and Richie has sort of a, he has sort of a telltale shuffle when he comes up the stairs. You can sort the way his pants swish together when he walks. Uh, you can sort of tell when Richie's... And I know that I do the same thing. I know Sarah can say that... Sarah will say that she can tell when I'm coming down the hallway. By the way, you open the door. By the way, I, I thought I was... I thought I had some sort of a sigh or like an exhale. Well, I can hear your... Well, you're, you have a definite sigh when you... But I can also tell from the way that you open the door. How do I open the door? Can you describe it? No. I mean, it just sounds stupid if I try to describe it. That's weird. All right. Well, I can. I, can, I can just always tell if it's if it's good to me. You walking through the door. That's why I start talking to you when I can't even see you. I'm like, hey, Rex. So here's this thing. That's kind of bizarre how we all it, we all have behavioral fingerprints like that. Because there, I would get. I would say right now that everybody here knows somebody, and you can tell when they are coming down the hall just by the way that they walk. I think I can tell when you're coming up the stairs too. I think there's some sort of a a very uh, quintessential like jingling of things in your pockets or something when you're coming up the stairs. Hmm. And anyway, so Richie starts coming up the stairs today, and I knew it was him, so I didn't bother to look up. So I just continued typing at my keyboard this morning, and Richie goes, "Hey, Rick, look at this." And I look up, and you know those uh, those wacky hats you can buy that have the sort of things on either side for the beer can, and then with like the tube that goes into your mouth. So imagine a hat like that, except instead of having beer can holders on either side of the hat. Richie has taken, he has this handheld camera. It's called a flip or a flipper or something. It's about the size of a small cell phone. And it is a camera that records you know, sound and video, and then you could just dump it onto your computer with a USB. It's basically just like a little point, and, little point and shoot camera. He has bolted the camera to the top of his hat. Like, like he actually put a whole metal housing and everything around it the front took of his some hat. Work. It really, he obviously spent a lot of time this weekend. There was some drilling and some bolting. And, <laughs> and so I look up and I just see this big red light as Richie's got a camera bolted to the front of his head staring at me. And I said stupidly, what is that? And he goes, it's a camera. I'm filming everything I do today. 
And I, I kind of shooed him out of the office. And then I heard him down the hall talking to Susan and being shooed out of her office. Then I heard him uh, talking to Bridget. At one point, I think he came down and uh, was heading into Tim's newsroom when I told him that was probably not such a, not such a good idea. Um, in any event, so we'll talk to Richie uh, about that. Uh, Lisa Desjardins going to be joining us today, uh, one day away from the Pennsylvania uh, primary. So that happens tomorrow. Please tell me that somebody else saw the Barack Obama Jay-Z thing over the weekend. Anyone? Bueller? Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, see, very rarely do I come in here with something that you guys haven't already seen. Like that Richard Quest thing that I was all excited about, which I guess you saw Friday afternoon. Yep, I posted it Friday. Oh, man, this is so much good news today. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, this is a, such an unbelievably massive uh, a number of stories that we got to talk about. So, getting ahead of myself. Lisa Desjardins will join us later on because we got uh, the Pennsylvania uh, primary coming up uh, tomorrow. I guess Hillary's still expected to win, but by a smaller margin than they certainly would have thought a year ago and even a couple months ago. Uh, let's see what else. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today for what I swear to you is the final use of the word Pope ever. Yeah, Lisa is, is guaranteed uh, she's waiting for a call back uh, from Steve Kastenbaum, but it shouldn't be a problem. All right. Yeah, with some new guest booker, some temp. It's yeah, just a yeah, temp for today. I think Dan's out sick. I heard them asking, like, for how long will you need to speak with <laughs> and Lisa would it be a question morning? and answer? Or I, I, I had no idea how to answer that. I'm yeah. like, oh, uh, yeah. It was like some weird fresh-faced college student. Uh, all right, top five coming up today. Because he's uh, back and in fine form, we'll do today's uh, top five. Top five songs uh, to which Richie would dance were he a male stripper. Uh, what else? Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers uh, be joining in the show uh, on the show later on. He's playing this coming Saturday uh, at the Roseland, so we'll talk to him today. Uh, one random caller today. Let's see, where do we have? Today is your call in at 503-733-2970. Today, one random caller will win a copy of Gumby the Movie on DVD. Yay! Go Green with Gumby, the movie, the director's cut, available for the first time on DVD, April 22nd. Bonus, uh, bonus toy included in every DVD. Wasn't Gumby already green anyway? I think he was. I think they're trying to piggyback on the, uh, on the environmental movement, Tim. So, yes, Go Green with Gumby, the movie, the director's cut, available for the first time on DVD, April 22nd. Uh, bonus toy included in every DVD. Look for Gumby, the movie, uh, wherever DVDs are sold. And one lucky random caller will win uh, Gumby, the movie, uh, today. Um... All right. Uh, other stuff to get to here in a second. We have this Barack Obama thing to talk about, which is great, uh, and so forth. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A man decides not to leap to his death from the 14th floor of the downtown Marriott. A Portland cop is busted for parking his patrol car in an old parking zone to run into a convenience store to get a snack. Richard Quest gets arrested in an embarrassing situation in New York Central Park and involves drugs and a toy, and it wasn't Gumby. Hillary will still win tomorrow's presidential primary. Uh, she pimps out Chelsea to campaign in Philly gay bars, and the Pope finally left. He's gone. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's see. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, people are just sending me all kinds of... Uh, all right. Every, everybody now is sending me their own... The, the Richard Quest story is on like 700 different newspapers. Let me just say, before we even reveal the, the Richard Quest story, we'll get to it later on. I can't speak for everybody, but I'll say speaking for myself, I was surprised. Not at all. Not the tiniest, teensiest little bit of surprise. Nah. Nor am I bothered by it, nor does it irritate me, annoy me, nor does it disappoint me in any way. In fact, I really only think more highly of him as of now. I mean, it... Well, I was wondering. I haven't seen him lately. Why don't they put him back on more? <laughs> well, Tim, you may get your way. If I could hire that guy right now, I would. I hope he's on Larry King tonight. Oh, he's... It, it, 
And it, it's just, it, and I, wouldn't you love to see him? And if you don't know what we're talking about, you'll have to hang on because we'll talk about it later on. But wouldn't you love to see Richard Quest from CNN just just come out and wholeheartedly embrace it? Yep. You know, and it was fantastic, and I'd do it again. <laughs> And then just sort of, like, chomp his teeth together. I don't think Larry King would quite know how to respond to that. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you? Hi. Oh, I'm doing very well. I had a fabulous weekend. Yes. Now, can I say that I met your uh, quasi-boyfriend? You, the guy that you are casually dating? Yes. Uh, farmer Ted? Yes. So I met him. He doesn't look like a farmer. No. Doesn't look like a farmer at all. He looks like he ought to be a member of Blur or something. <laughs> I know. Like he looks He's a good-looking guy. If I may say, he does look a little bit uh, different than some of the guys you've dated in the past. Because you, you've kind of dated uh, some of the guys you've dated have been a little scruffy-looking. Not bad, just sort of. Uh... Nah, never mind. <laughs> no, never mind. He's a, yeah, he's, he's very very different. Than I was gonna say that your last yeah. boyfriend looked like James Blunt because I think it's true, and. Oh, it kind of does. He kind of does. Yeah. Um, so uh, your new uh, quasi guy doesn't look anything like that. He had like, uh, he was just, I mean, he's just not at all what I expected a farmer to look like. May I ask what he farms? A dairy farmer. All right. So does he milk cows? Yes. Interesting. He doesn't look, he really does look like he ought to be standing on stage at like the NME Awards or something like getting an award for best new British artist. He's. I was like, we, yeah, we totally have the same interests in music and yeah, he's, I mean, he's a really like hip guy. He no, just he, happens to be a. He doesn't look like a, like a good guy. It's just one of those things you don't really think about. You don't really think about people doing that job sometimes. Exactly. That's why I like saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, this dude's a farmer. Because nobody really knows what to expect at yeah. all. And I just want them to expect him to be wearing, you know, like overalls. And, and it does kind of defy hat. expectations. It doesn't mm -hmm. allow you to it, it could be because you hear that you're dating a farmer, and then you, you get one image, and then you meet the guy, and it's a totally different image. So, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him some more. I can't quite wrap my head around him. So we should say that all of us, uh, I think at different showings, but... We all went to the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation this weekend, which was righteous. Oh, man. Just like one of the best the things. The coolest thing ever. I have ever seen. And so we went to, there was a little bit of a snafu. We didn't get to go on Friday, which was sort of our plan, but we ended up going to the, well, Tim, you went, when did you go to see the Raiders thing? Saturday. So no. Tim, Tim went to see it Saturday night. Uh, some of the rest of us went to see it. Uh, Saturday afternoon. It was jaw-dropping. We had a dorky radio row is what we had. It was... We had a full row full of people, all of which were geeking out. It was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what I expected uh, with that Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, and I kind of feel like a tool talking about it now because if you missed it, you can't... You, you, you've missed your chance. If you, if you haven't seen it here, I mean, I guess they're taking it on the road. Uh, so you might be able to see it sort of somewhere else around the country. I know it's going to Pittsburgh, and it's going to Seattle, I think, and L.A., and I saw like a little, a little tour itinerary for it, but if you didn't see the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation on on Saturday, it, you really did miss something uh, extraordinary. Um, we had the guys in the studio on Friday, and it is just what we said it was. It was a shot-for-shot -shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark, about two hours long, all of it made by kids who started out, at the, I think they were 11 years old when they started, they were 18 when they finished, they filmed it over seven years on a home, like on a home handicam thing, onto a Betamax VCR. I think the moment that we really, uh, that it became a little surreal for us, well, there's two things. A, it was, it's a testament to the power of that movie and to how well it's written, that about halfway through this adaptation, which again is starring, like, children, that I sort of forgot that I was watching an adaptation from time to time, and I would just sort of find myself getting into the movie. Because it was, you know, it was a very faithful adaptation, such a great film. But there's this whole sequence where they're in a bar, where they're in Marion's bar, and... You know the Nazis come in and they're looking for the they're looking for the um, the headpiece to the staff of Ra and Tote says, 
shall I show you what I am used to? You know, and then Indy comes in, and then there's the gunfight, and then the bar catches on fire, <laughs> and one of the Nazis catches on fire. Now, that's all well and good when it's like a Hollywood film, and there's stuntmen, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a major motion picture, and there's fire uh, safety things in place. But we're watching this, and we're, we're realizing that these are just a bunch of 11-year-olds setting a room, and at one point, setting one of the cast members on fire. And I mean, I think we just, a 12-year-old child on fire. 12-year-old boy being set ablaze. And I think at that point, that's when we kind of looked at each other. We're like, what the F? Like, what? The, are you freaking kidding me? That in the car scene between those two. I'm like, these kids are lucky to be alive. There's that whole sequence where Indy is hanging off the front of a truck, holding onto the hood ornament, and then he falls the down. Bending. And, yeah, and then the grill pieces are bending out, and then he's falling and being dragged underneath the truck. And you watch it, and you're going, Jesus effing Christ. Like, these kids are like 15 when they made this. And clearly their parents were just, like, not around. I think they just opted not to tell. Tim, what did you say? Didn't you say the Marion's bar was like their mom's kitchen or basement or something? Basement. And then mom had no idea. What are you doing? That's nothing. You know, meanwhile, they're setting the whole house on fire. And they got a submarine at one point. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. So, anyway, if you guys saw the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation, as I know a lot of you did, it was... Uh, I know, I feel bad talking about it afterwards because it was so neat. And it was not here anymore. It was exceptional. You know what? They had to turn 300 people away at that showing that you and I went to. Uh, the afternoon show, I know they had to turn 300 people away. I know Friday night was insane. Saturday night was sold. Before they'd even shown the afternoon one, the, uh, the evening one was sold out. So... Yeah, it was it was it was pretty fantastic. So uh, in any event, and then you had like a whole weekend of stuff. Though. Yeah, I did that, and uh, yeah, I went to that movie, and then went to the roller derby. Um, my friend Jet's actually listening right now. She competed in the derby, and they did a really good job. Hello, hi Jet. And um, yeah, and then went saw Rilo Kylie on uh, after that. I was exhausted, and then uh, yesterday went and saw uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Now, how is that the new? That's I mean, the guess Jet where I saw Rick Emerson. Cinetopia? I did. In the living room. Big glass room. of red wine? Uh, no, no wine for me. Because it was, it, it was pretty early in the day. But I uh, sat in the big... Oh, don't give me that look. I know. I just I didn't feel <laughs> no, like paying like $10 for oh. a glass right, of wine. There we go. That's the That's truth. the truth. Okay. okay. Um, so watch that. It was really good. Really long. Um, but there were some goddamn hilarious parts in it. The Apatow movies kind of have that in common recently. They're all really good, but they could all use to be cut by about 15 minutes. Super bad was sort of that way to me. Like, it totally. went on about 20 minutes longer than it should I would happen. say they could, he could have taken out a healthy, like, 30, 35 minutes, and it yeah. would have still been a really good movie. It's still worth watching? Definitely. Excellent. Definitely. I mean, it was, you know, it's Judd Apatow, so... Yeah. It was, uh, it was quite funny. Let's see. What else happened this weekend? Not a whole lot. Um, I cracked open my Beatles document, my 11-hour Beatles documentary, and I'm slowly uh, working my way through that. I came up with a... Let's see. Uh, there's a small pile of things. No, no time to get to those. Let's see. Let me read a couple emails. We've got some phone calls to get to, but first let me make this announcement. As you know, Rick Emerson, listener party, uh, 11, Emerson's 11, happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m., Crystal Ballroom, featuring the Rick Emerson roast. Roasters including uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran, Sarah X. Dillon will announce another, uh, Byron Beck from the Willamette will announce another roaster today. Uh, musical entertainment by Nickel Arcade, as well as uh, Emerson Starship, uh, and a whole lot of other things uh, happening. If you go to uh, 970.am right now, go towards the bottom of the page, there's that section that says, I think it says, recently heard on the Rick Emerson show, or as heard on the Rick Emerson show. You can go to uh, the, uh, the page where we are now letting you vote on the logo. Uh, so we have taken some of the logos that we thought sort of best summed up the feel of the event and looked great and whatever. So you go to uh, 970.am. We're going to take votes all this week on the Rick Emerson Listener Party logo. At the end of this week, uh, we will take the one that gets the most votes, and that'll be the one we go with. So go to 970.am. Cast your vote for Rick Emerson Listener Party 2008, Emerson's 11, uh, the logo. So we've got that. 
I got a huge pile of email about John Williams and whether or not he ripped off the Star Wars uh, score from somebody based on Tim's comment on Friday. Darn it, I thought this was a dead issue. I would have brought in the CD today. That's okay. Somebody sent me uh, some side-by-side comparisons of the John Williams Star Wars score and some other stuff. So I'll get to that. There's this fantastic uh, Barack Obama thing that happened. I guess it happened Thursday night, but because it happened in Pennsylvania, nobody really thought about it. It didn't really... Well, if it's not on Groundhog Day, nobody pays any attention. It's, it took a couple. It took a couple of days for it to sort of leak leak out. But I saw it on Saturday. Have you guys seen the? I guess you haven't. This this Barack Obama Jay Z thing. All right. No. So we'll play it when we come back. It's 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 pretty great. You mark my words. This will be. This is the moment in which Barack Obama secured the nomination. As lame as that sounds. Uh, this Thursday night, something, and I won't say that this is the thing that sealed it, but he did something on Thursday night that, to me, indicates that he's a lock. I mean, he was mathematically way ahead to begin with, but, I mean, really, I think Barack at this point is a lock. Uh, and it was in... the lock. That was an unfortunate rhyme. Uh, it was, and it was indicated by something he did Thursday night, so we'll talk about that. Um, let me read these couple of emails, uh, then we will, uh, take a break. Rick... Uh, let's see. I know you're caught up in Battlestar Galactica. I'm surprised you haven't talked about it on the show since Season 4 started. How about that final scene in the most recent episode for soul-crushing The Mist-type drama? Uh, Battlestar Galactica, of course, now we're in the Episode uh, 3 of Season 4, which aired last Friday. The reason I haven't been talking about it is because i got a really short attention span, and it was all I could do to remember to talk about The Wire on Mondays, because The Wire aired on Sundays. By the time I get on a Monday, Battlestar is like three days old, and it just falls into my brain because I got new no attention span. This week. Is there a new loss this week? Yes. So we'll be uh, doing our loss recap on Friday. Battle so we'll get to Star. start geeking out again. And, and we're going to have Peter Carlin on today, too, so we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming Lost episode. Uh, Battlestar continues to be really good. I'm not, I'm not quite as on board with this season as I was the last one. I feel like it's been a little uh, uneven, and there's, there's really not much point in talking about because I'm the only one in the room who sort of views it. But... Um, but Friday was good. It's I feel like for those who who care about Battlestar Galactica, I will say that I think all the Starbuck story storylines are a little bit overwritten. I think that they're overwritten and they're being acted a little bit too melodramatically. That being said, it's still a great show. The Cylon Civil War story arc is really really great, really fascinating. Uh, the business of the the four Battlestar crew members, uh, the Galactica crew members being Cylons is great. I just I just don't. I don't care for the whole thing about Starbuck being off on some garbage sky looking for Earth. I just, it doesn't interest me. Uh, let's see. Well, no time to do these other things. Let's take whatever this call is. Then we will take a break and we'll come back. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, why more than once you started the show with the uh, Independence Day uh, deal there. I'm sorry. Why what? Huh? The uh, Bill Pullman uh, Independence Day. Yes, sir. Yeah, that part there. I was wondering why you uh, start with that. I think the answer is. I think the question, sir, is why not. Oh, okay. I just. Uh, I was just wondering if you just played it because because um, you like it a lot. Well, here's the thing. Um, let, me, let me ask you this: For how long have you been listening to the show? Um, I've been listening to you guys since um, I guess 2003, I think. So for five years. All right. So we we in the, within the last 18 months or so. I mean, it's been about a year, year and a half. Uh, we started this thing of uh, beginning the program each day with a different speech or a scene or something from a movie. Uh, so, you know, some days it's Almost Famous, some days it's Tommy Boy, some days it's The Godfather, some days it's Juno. So every day we try to start the show with something from a movie. And at one point, 
I think one of the earliest ones that we played was Independence Day because it was before we started sort of pulling stuff off DVD and it, we we just had to rely on everything, you know, whatever we could find on YouTube. And that one was all over YouTube and it was already edited. It was already perfectly concise. It was, you know, it was just the meat of the speech. And so it became kind of our go-to speech. And then we started realizing how terrible it was and then we couldn't stop playing it. Yeah, and so, yeah, and sort of, then it became kitschy, then it became campy, then it became a thing that we sort of love because it's awful. Now I think we've just embraced the fact that we love it even though it's poorly done. But, there was a while where I would kind of, when we were first doing it, I would forget to bring in speeches. I would forget to pull something at home. I would get here and realize we didn't have a movie speech. And so we would say, well, I guess we could play Independence Day again. So for, if you listen to the show for the first couple months we were doing that, you probably heard that speech twice a week. And so now it's become sort of a, I don't know, it's become a tradition. It's become part of the Rick Emerson Show lexicon, sir. Cool. Right on. All well, right. Uh, show ever. Thank and uh, there's my hero. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. 503-733-2970. Lisa Desjardins coming up. Steve Kastenbaum. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Top five. Peter Carlin. Roger Klein. Big show. Stay there. Back after this. Radio 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Here's what's coming up. Lisa Desjardins will join us. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us uh, from New York City later on today. Uh, we'll do the top five. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Roger Klein of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and uh, so forth. All right, so let me... Oh, we're waiting for Lisa here. Let me see if I can, uh, see if I can play this Obama thing. All right, let's see. So this is, so I guess this happened uh, Thursday, and it's it's sort of a visual thing, um, but if I set it up, oh, that's actually going to be Lisa right there. So it looks like we may, I'll reference it with her, and then I'll play it as soon as we're uh, done with her segment, because it's pretty fantastic. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from uh, Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love and freedom and things. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm actually in the lovely town of Bluebell, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philly. All right, then. Now, are you, now are you staying? Is this because you're still en route, or do they have you stashed in Bluebell to avoid the paparazzi? This, this is why I'm in Bluebell. Well, Barack Obama had an event here uh, in the last hour where he had a town hall with a couple of dozen people, much more intimate event than, than he had recently. But the reason we're still here is because right now Barack Obama is taping an interview with Rachel Ray in really? the room uh, behind me. Really? Yes. Why is? Let me ask you this: Is Rachel Ray is is she headquartered in Bluebell or something? <laughs> no, no. It's just what's really going on here because he he has this interview with Rachel Ray. Hillary Clinton uh, gave a big exclusive to Extra. Uh, they're fighting for uh, the let's say afternoon. Female TV watching demographic. Oh, I see. I understand. That's they're, what's going on. They're fighting to get the attention of my mother-in-law. I know what you're saying now. All right. <laughs> now we're talking the same language, right? But so now we're in Bluebell, and then we'll uh, hit, hit the trail again. I I hardly even know. I don't know where to start. I feel like I should be talking about the race, and it's gotten so negative. There have been punches and counter punches. They're all positive today. Uh, but I have to tell you, these last two days of traveling with the candidates has been. Uh, pretty surreal <laughs> and, 
and very difficult to describe. I'm still, still digesting it. I mean, so you are, so when you say traveling with the candidates, because I don't really know how the logistics of that uh, sort of uh, works. How is it where, how, how how does that work when you say traveling with the candidates? Are you like in a Ford Festiva driving alongside the bus? or? <laughs> I'm actually in a sidecar with Barack Obama <laughs> on the uh, motorcycle. Uh-huh. No, you know, it's the, basically when you're, there's a campaign plane, and everyone is on that plane together. So when you get on the plane, you, you walk right past Hillary Clinton sitting in her seat. She's right there. Hello, hello. You just walk by her with your stuff. Some people not, you know, kind of almost getting away because they've got too much stuff. Uh, but then when you're on buses, when you're on the, on the road, uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama have the SUVs and they've got the kind of squad cars in the front from the local police and then Secret Service escorting them behind that. And then two giant buses. Uh, with some very uh, nice kind of 80s, 70s plush seats inside, and that's where the press corps is on those buses behind them. See, you just have no idea how in my head it is sort of this weird blending of primary colors and almost famous. You know what I mean? Where... That's, you know what? That's exactly what it's like. Ah, uh, oh, come on. See, now you're just now you're just toying with me. Except, <laughs> except so much less cool. Except, except really, 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 really dorky. But there, there are so many strange things. For instance, on the, well, you know, I have, I've only been with the Obama campaign half a day, but I have to say, so far they're much, they're much more, uh, a little bit more business focused. Uh, they, they, for example, a very different snack situation. The Hillary Clinton campaign is, is pounding food down your throat all day long, which is, it's very strange. I can't quite describe it. Uh, and then on the plane at the end of the day, uh, here, here comes the uh, flight attendant. Can I get you a vodka and cranberry? Fantastic. What? Yes. And the answer to that is always yes, of course. Always yes, always yes. Yeah, and they're throwing the, we throw the football around on the press plane with uh, Pennsylvania's Governor Ed Rendell. Uh, Hillary Clinton did not participate, but the the Obama campaign low on snacks, and they're a little bit little bit um, less casual. They're a little bit more uptight. It, Hillary Clinton I, I was surprised. Did, Hillary didn't throw the football around though. But did she did she come out and tell you a, a homespun folky anecdote about how her <laughs> father used to throw the football with her in the front yard? She did say a story, uh, tell a story kind of similar to that. She talked about her father and football at Penn State last night uh, to a crowd of about 2,000. Nothing. And, and there's a, you know, she, you pass Hillary Clinton when you walk on the press plane, but then you you go to the back half of the plane where you sit, and you really you cannot move forward to talk to her. She sometimes comes back to talk to the press, but not. Not when I was there. When you walk by Hillary Clinton in person, do you somehow feel as though a thousand souls are crying out and then being silenced all at once? Never mind. No, you know, just I think that um, her hair is even is really fascinating. Her hair is perfect. I would here's the thing about Hillary Clinton. I know that working on the campaign trail obviously it takes a lot a toll on you. And maybe over time you either gain weight or you lose weight or you 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 can become a little run down. You get a little pale. You get a whatever. Hillary Clinton's hair is always fantastic. Her hair it seems yeah. strangely immobile, but it seems flawless. Yeah, it, she she has gotten it down. It's true. It's it's amazing. Although it seems it's gotten a little more height. I think because. The layers of hairspray are sort of adding up a little bit now. It's, just so like, it's starting to build, jack up a little bit. Yeah. It's like waxing a floor over and over again. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, right, not yeah. You can see it up close. Um, it, just a, a couple of things, and I, I know we're all kind of under the gun today. Uh, a because I always just uh, there's this uh, Malcolm McLaren part of me that always just instinctively looks for wedge issues. It's interesting that you say that they're all in these sort of caravans of SUVs. I would think that they would both be trying to outgreen the other right now. <laughs> nope. 
not 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 at all. Uh, they, you know, Barack Obama. There are a lot of uh, trash bags on his planes. Uh, much many more trash bags than the Hillary Clinton buses really have been left to the press to do what they will, and there and there you can tell <laughs> from that. But no, I think Secret Service maybe chose the cars. I'm not, I'm not sure, but they both do have uh, two SUVs, and then usually two or three town cars also, and then, of course, the police escort in front of that. Um, as far as, as, I mean, the primary, I don't, I mean, the conventional wisdom, I guess, is still that, that she wins by much less than she would have won a year ago. Right, right. But, you know, now it's it's strange. We're getting conflicting polls today. No, no shocker, I guess. But one poll says that Barack Obama couldn't win it. Uh, other polls show that she's starting to break out, and, and it looks like she is expanding on her lead. On the ground, it feels that way. It feels like a lot of those uh, typical Barack Obama voters are are less decided than I've seen them in other states. You know, I've heard everything from African Americans tell me that they're, and we've talked about this before, tell me that they're not sure they'll vote for him because they're worried that he's going to be assassinated. To um, other sort of other African Americans who who say they thought about him, but they just don't know that he has the experience. So her message has really gotten through in this state, and it's helping her. And I, I think that. She may have a bigger win than we saw last week, probably maybe seven points, something like that, which is for those people who want this election to end, who want a Democratic nominee, that's your worst-case scenario. If she won by a lot, 10, 13 points, something like that, she might even be considered viable again for the nomination, and we may have a real mix on our hands. But seven points, six points, it means she's going to stay in and kind of just keep – Keep moving on. Keep keep hoping that Barack Obama has a macaca moment, does something wrong, and and flips up. But if it's close, one or two points, then he, this could this could be the end of it. And, but I think we're going to land somewhere in the messy middle. And and obviously, uh, although she's still mathematically a, a very long shot at this point, obviously if if it all just went in the dumper for her tomorrow, that's it. She's hosed. I mean, that's yes, that's that is right. that's that is the end. Uh, all right. It, we don't have time to really get into it today, but I will simply throw this out. It, did you see and is anybody talking about the Barack Obama Jay-Z moment? Do you know what no. I'm talking about? No, right. I don't know what you're I'm gonna give you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little, uh, just give you a little, little insight to what the kids are talking about today, Lisa. Excellent. Um, the, I will recap this for you very briefly. There, there was this moment, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out exactly where he was when it happened. Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Where was he Thursday night? Do you know? Um, I don't know where he was Thursday night. Um, thir- and I don't have the article in front after of me. After the debate. I don't know. That was the day after the debate. I don't know where it was. Uh, I don't have the article in front of me, so I apologize. But he did this great moment Thursday. There's this. There's a Jay-Z song called uh, it's called Dirt Off Your Shoulder, I think is the name of the song. Uh, and yeah, it, I like that song. It is all about not letting, a, you know, n- not being kept down by one's adversaries or foes. And there's this great thing that happens throughout the video where there are shots of all of these people who are dealing with boyfriends, girlfriends, bosses, you know, the man, whoever, uh, where they kind of do this, they do this gesture where they sort of, as though they are flicking dandruff or dirt or what have you off their shoulder. And it's this great sort of very fluid, kind of very stylish gesture where they are brushing the dirt off their shoulder. Happens over and over and over again throughout the video. So Thursday night. Barack Obama is giving the speech, and he's talking about the attack ads coming his way, and how everybody's, you know, Hillary, as he put it, is twisting the knife, and he says, I don't know, you know, I don't blame Hillary, that's how the game is played. When you're running for president, you just have to understand the attacks are coming your way, and, you know, when those attacks come, you've just got to, and then he doesn't say anything, he just does the dirt off his shoulder moment, and the crowd loses it. The crowd goes insane. 
I needed you to tell me because I knew about that moment. I knew, you know, I, I'd even talked to people about it, but I didn't, I didn't know how lame I am. I didn't know it was a Jay-Z reference. It's, I mean, I only know it because I mean, I saw the video, but I, it's, you know, not like I'm, I'm not perhaps as plugged into the that youth culture cool. as I once was, but it's the crowd goes bonkers. I mean, and that is very cool. the great thing about it is, is, is it shows his confidence as a candidate. You know what I mean? That I that that does seem like a thing that either was not focus grouped or if it was focus grouped indicated that they truly believe there's a paradigm shift at this point. I know that seems right. It seems like I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I think. You know, when Hillary Clinton's, you know, asking people to vote on her campaign themes and all of the choices seem so unbelievably pablum-esque it, that a candidate is willing to even very passively, subtly align himself with something like that, that indicates a culture shift. It really does. I, I, you've got a point. I think, uh, on the other hand, you know, Barack Obama, it's so funny, he, he can be so culturally adept, but then he has these strange cultural blind spots. He was in Bethlehem yesterday went to, like, a microbrewery and, and seemed perplexed and confused, didn't really understand what a beer sampler was, like what was involved really? in a beer sampler. Yeah. He should hang out with Hillary's dad more often. <laughs> Apparently. All right. Uh, I know you're busy. Uh, are you, we will undoubtedly talk to you tomorrow. It's going to be a great slash insane day for you. So, yes. All right. Good to talk to you again. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Deal. Lisa Desjardins. There you go. Fantastic. Wonderful. All right, I've got the Obama thing here. That is just um, you got to and you got to be really careful on the net too because like almost every one of the videos on YouTube they've mashed it with the Jay Z song, which mm. is of course incredibly profane. So this doesn't necessarily work as well without the visual, but you'll hear the moment when straight out of the Jay Z video he does the little dirt off. Yeah, that's why she's only airing negative attacks on TV in, in Pennsylvania, like like most most places. Look, I, I understand that because that's the textbook Washington game. That's how our politics has been taught to be played. That's the lesson that she learned when the Republicans were doing that same thing to her back in the 1990s. So I understand it. And when you're running for the right presidency, uh, then you've got to expect it. Uh, and, you know, you've just got to kind of let it... I mean, and the crowd just goes nuts. Because, I mean... Well, when I was just watching the video, the first thing I thought... How great is that? I mean, it's... it's amazing. I wish we could play it, because all these people have made these really neat videos of, like, remixing him I, doing that. I have it kind of with... Uh, I don't have it with the song underneath him. I, the closest I could find is there was one that had the instrumental looping underneath him. I have one where I sort of... That will maybe play into the break, where I fade out of him into the Jay-Z song, which I had to clean up. But um, it's a great little moment, too, especially because... Somebody, some journalist, somebody rather recognized that it was from the Jay-Z video. And how weird it must be to have be Jay-Z and to have the, the guy who will probably be the next president, like, referencing your song on the stump. That's a little weird. Um, that's got to be a little bit of a mind F. But somebody said, uh, they asked, they grabbed one of, one of Obama's handlers and they said, uh, they said, hey, we saw that dirt off your shoulder moment. Like, is that, is he a Jay-Z fan? Which typically you figure for a presidential candidate, that's the sort of thing that you go, I don't know, let's check with a focus group. Is he a Jay-Z fan? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Jay-Z obviously, you know, that matter to me, but I mean, Jay-Z's a guy who has a, some, some blue uh, language and so forth and blah, blah, blah. Jay-Z's got his stuff together, though. I mean, he has his hand in just about everything. But, you know, there was a time, and I think, like, clearly you would never, and I know that they're not Jay-Z fans, but clearly you would never catch 
Hillary or McCain, in, even in some insane world where they were Jay Z oh fans. Oh, Hillary Clinton tries to pretend to be a Jay Z fan, my but head I, will explode. But I mean, let, let's just let's just say for the sake of the for the sake of argument, let's assume that she was somehow. You, she would still never admit it, right? Because then immediately there's going to be Hillary Clinton is a fan of Jay Z, an artist who ce- who celebrates drug dealing, uh, and so there would be all. So she would never admit it, even if it were true. That's why all of those songs on her, you know, pick Hillary's campaign theme were all so lame. It was all like Celine Dion and you know stuff that could never possibly offend anybody. So they grab one of Obama's handlers and like, is is Barack Obama a Jay Z fan? And the guy goes, yes, his iPod's full of Jay Z. Uh, and that was it. It was just like three in your face. There you go. So, I mean, they just, and that I think is, for me, the moment when I kind of spot it as Seal. I mean, it's not because he references the Jay Z song, but it's because he, they clearly are so in the zone that they just don't even care. They, they, that, that he does a Jay Z thing, somebody asks him, and he just completely addresses it and moves on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which shows that I think as a campaign, they just got, they just feel like their moment has arrived. Like, a, it is, this is their time, as they say. All right, um,. So Steve Kastenbaum will join us here in just one moment. Uh, let me see. Let me see what we do here. Uh, by the way, Rick, you are a Bill Pullman fan. Um, Bill Pullman is going to be on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That's the one that's all rapey. Yeah, right? that's all with the rapey and child molesty. <laughs> Bill Pullman will be on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. It's funny that everybody describes that show that way. Which one's that? It's the one with all the raping? Uh, on Tuesday, tomorrow. This one is just almost like too much. I, you know. It's just the things, the I really, things that they do on that show. No. Well, it was created, I think, wasn't it created like as a direct response to CSI? Because CSI really upped the ante as far as being graphic and mm-hmm. sort of having off-putting, you know, whatever. Uh, oh, the, one of the parts in Forgetting Sarah Marshall that's hilarious is Sarah Marshall is a star in, 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 in a sexy teen, or in a sexy cop drama exactly like CSI. Oh, isn't it called like... I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's called, like, like, crime scene. Crime scene. Scene of the crime. Yeah. Or something like and that. And she's, you know, batting her eyes, wearing a ton of makeup, and she's starring in it with uh, uh, Billy Baldwin, I think. Yeah. Uh, Judd Apatow has a real knack for nailing, because he worked in TV, obviously. He got uh, the shaft on Freaks and Geeks, but he nails sort of the inanity of television. You've seen the TV set, right? Oh, multiple and times, yeah. there's a thing where Seth Green is like, it's Slut Wars! And it's like some bad reality show with and sluts. And it hurts because it's so accurate. Totally. Uh, so Bill Pullman is going to be on Law & Order Special Victims Unit uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, as the female detective's, yes, love interest. Um, what else do we have here? Um, well, you know if it's one episode, you know he's going to turn out to be the perpetrator. Totally. No, that's it. I trusted you! As he's being, like, like cuffed and led away. Yeah. Uh, this one says, Rick, uh, this is why we were talking about the Seattle Supersonics on Friday, which I guess are moving to Oklahoma, and I asked why that mattered. Uh, this guy says, Rick... The Sonics moving to Oklahoma City is important because it allows for another team to move to Seattle, and some are speculating that team will be the Blazers. Paul Allen, see, I never put that together in my head. Uh Uh-oh. Paul Allen has always wanted to have his team in Seattle. The Blazers' contract for playing at the Rose Garden ends soon, and a team like the Blazers would actually motivate people in Seattle to pay for a new stadium like the Seahawks got and the Mariners got. That's true. Um, Anyway, they said, also, I've heard you talk about the movie Hook. Uh, I am 20, and all my friends consider Hook one of the movies we all watched and loved growing up. Well, it's not a bad film. Uh, I just don't really care for it. So compared to Indiana Jones, it's nothing but how many movies compared to Indy. I also want to let you know I am a white male U of O student that supports Hillary Clinton. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And that is from Dallas. So, all right. Thank you, Dallas. Uh, it looks like we may not get uh, Steve here because it's like 55. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. I just want to make a quick comment about what Hillary's Jay-Z moment will be. Yes. She'll bring up hard knock life. <laughs> so, oh, can't you see her doing that? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. I, too, have had a hard knock life. 
Oh, oh, oh. oh that makes no. my skin crawl because it's so it's so feasible. That's like the Slut Wars crime scene scene of the crime thing. I can totally see Hillary Clinton doing that. She, you know, right now, she's got a bunch of people in a room trying to find a socially acceptable rapper uh, that she can quote on some campaign stop, like, tomorrow. All right, thank you. Yep. Oh, that's awful. Mm, that makes my skin cry. I can talk. I can see you're doing it, too. All right. Well, um, I think we should probably just uh, go to the break here because it doesn't look like we're going to get Steve. Okay. Don't forget, one random caller today wins go, uh, Gumby the Movie on DVD. Go green with Gumby the Movie. The director's cut available for the first time on DVD April 22nd. Bonus toy included in every DVD. Look for it wherever DVDs uh, are sold. And um, uh, and finally, go to 970.am today and vote uh, all this week on what you think the Listener Party logo ought to be. We will announce the winner uh, this coming Friday. All right, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson well, radio program. Don't go anywhere. When you're running for the presidency, uh, then you've got to expect it. Uh, and, you know, you've just got to kind of let it... Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 uh, 503-733-2970. Coming up later on the day, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, recently returned from uh, England, where he walked the floors of the Abbey Road Studios. Uh, what else? Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Top five. This is your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A man has been arrested after a body has been found in a houseboat. He's been linked to the slaying of a 56-year-old man, 29-year-old Kyle D. Graham of the Coombe, booked him in the county jail on the charge of murder. Who's killed? Harlem Reap. Apparently, the two were acquaintances. They didn't release any motive for the killing. Neighbors say they believe a reap got in some kind of uh, confrontation in the parking lot prior to his death. Some lady or some gal witnessed a couple guys roughing him up a bit, forcing him to go down to his place. Police confirmed that officers were called to Reap's home in North Jansen Avenue area at uh, one o'clock in the morning. Now this they, is one of those. Is this one of those floating houses? Yeah. You know that'd be. Uh, never mind. Some of them are nice. Some of them are ramshackle. This kind of looks like a, a trailer floating on the water. Let me. If I could, let me just say. I mean, I'm not. Oh yeah, that's. I think it might be an inadvertently floating house. Like, yeah. maybe maybe the ground just slowly gave way and just sort of sloughed its way down to the bank. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying, 
you shouldn't kill people. It's wrong. But if you're going to kill somebody, it seems like that might be a good place to stash them. Maybe not in that particular house anymore. Uh, but um, it, like my friend Siegfried, he lives in a floating house, and it's uh, and it, which is weird uh, because you, you walk, you park there, and it's out. It's uh, it's out in it, it's Scapoose, and there's I guess is there a Scapoose River? There's a the Columbia River runs through Scapoose. I guess it's the Columbia River, uh, and so you park there and you walk down, and it's like walking to a marina or a dock or something. You'd have a boat, except it's all these houses, uh, and so you walk out on. Not like a pier, but like a, a sort of pier-like walkway that then goes down a staircase and then onto his house. And it's just a normal house, except it happens to be floating in the middle of the river. It's the weirdest thing. But you realize if he really had to kill somebody, I think that would be a pretty good place to do it. Because you kill him and then you just sort of tether them to the underside of your house. I mean, how often do you ever really look underneath a floating house? Nobody ever does that. Right, it's a so lifestyle choice. It's really, it's really nobody who's going to come. Nobody ever. That's, there's no odor there that anybody's going to complain about. I'm just saying these are the things I think about logistically. Here's Tim Riley. I see where that would be. Uh, streets in downtown were closed most of the day yesterday because somebody threatened to commit suicide. The CERT team and the police were dealing with a man on the 14th floor of the downtown Marriott. That's just a neighbor of ours. Uh, he was not to be armed, but his life appeared to be at risk. It all began at 9.45 a.m. Police uh, worked with the man for several hours to bring a peaceful end to the situation. During the ordeal, he hovered on or around the outside railing of the balcony. At 11.15 p.m., he was taken into police custody. So that's a long time. That's... Which, which mayor? Is this the one on Front Street? Yeah. The the one that's right across from the park? Yes. All right. So it's interesting that the news won't report suicides if they're successful, but if you're just there bothering traffic and mucking up the works for two hours, you get all kinds of press coverage. Right. All right. Uh, an attorney watched a police officer parked illegally in front of a restaurant, then wait around while his meal was prepared, issued the officer a series of citizen-initiated violations. Eric Bryant said he was sitting in a restaurant when Officer Chad Segengard parked his patrol car next to a no-parking sign and walked inside to wait for his food. Uh, Bryant told uh, the Mercury when he asked uh, the police officer about his car, the officer asked Bryant, if somebody broke into your house, would you rather have the police be able to park in front of your house or have to park three blocks away and walk there? Bryant filed a complaint as a private citizen alleging several violations, including illegal parking and illegal operation of an emergency vehicle. The police officer was issued a summons to appear in court in May. His fine could be $540. That's a really, you know, that's going to be a really closely watched case, too, to see if they reduce or to diminish it or whatever. Uh, because, so he was part, was it, a, it was a convenience store or a restaurant? A re, uh, said a convenience store. A convenience store. So there's no parking spaces. So the cop parks there it, where it's illegal to park so he can go in, no joke, and get lunch. So I don't know. So how is it? Well, let me ask you this then. So how is it that you do a citizen's, can you do a citizen's arrest? or is that is that a thing you can really do or is that a thing I only think you can do from old like Perry Mason reruns? I think you can. How do you? How does one go about uh, performing a citizen's arrest? I've never done one myself, but I'm not sure. We should go find somebody to arrest. So he gave. So the cop is there. Did he just? Like, what are the mechanics of that? So if you see, if you see a police car, like in this guy's case, and the the cop car is parked illegally, presumably, uh, to go in, and the cop is in getting lunch. Did the guy just write down the the license number, or did he? Like, what is involved with filing? A parking ticket as a citizen. Hmm. I'm not sure. I've never done it. All right. Well, in any event, so that's. Yeah, I think we should. Do, yeah, we should do a Q and A of how to citizen arrest somebody. Because it seems like he, everybody wants to. It doesn't seem like he just picked up the phone and called the cops about it and said, "Hey, by the way, blah 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 blah." It sounds like he actually filed a complaint somehow. Mm -hmm. So there's two things. There's how did he file uh, the ticket complaint, 
And then can one actually uh, affect a citizen's arrest? Because that's a thing that you see all the time in, like, old sort of 60s detective shows. But I don't really know if it's, if it's a thing you could actually uh, do in real life. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. A Vancouver woman was critically injured after she lost control of her SUV during a hailstorm over the weekend. 53-year-old Michelle Christensen crashed after a Toyota 4Runner crossed three lanes of traffic and ran into an embankment. It happened at Highway 30 near Klatskanai Hill. She was partially ejected from the car and pinned underneath. Luckily, several good Samaritans turned up, including an ODOT employee, rushing to the scene, riding the SUV and helped freeing the woman from her burning vehicle. She was taken to St. John's Hospital, then transported to OHSU for treatment. So I guess, yeah, there was a big hailstorm Saturday when I was driving in. It's Friday and Saturday both, actually. Uh, so it on like the apocalypse driving down Highway 26. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we, we, Hill. we were, um, God, where were Laura and I yesterday? We went to that restaurant, um... That Tosis restaurant, which is over on Humane Society. It's T-O-S-I-S, Tosis. Oh, didn't we discuss this once before? I think so, but, I mean, the the restaurant hasn't changed. It's still, they're still called, which I think, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that maybe, um, I don't know, but I suspect maybe the restaurant was founded by uh, maybe an immigrant, perhaps someone from another country. Maybe look down, look through the book and said, Tosis, that seems like a great name. Tosis. And sort sort of no one, sort of no one explained to him. Uh, anyway, so we went to uh, we went to Tosis uh, yesterday because we'd never been there. And we thought it looked like a goof, so we we went in to have to have food. But on the way there, it was like that hail that just hail never starts gradually either. That's the thing. It never like it, it, it's never a little bit of hail. It suddenly you're and it's always when it's absolutely clear skies as well. That's the weird thing. Hail always happens when it's sunshiny. So we're Driving along out of nowhere, bam! And it, and we looked in the rearview mirror, and it was even worse in the rearview mirror because you could see it sort of unbroken because it, the front windshield, of course, was you know the wipers were going. And you're right; it just looked like the seventh seal had been broken. It looked like when the UFOs came in Will, Will Smith's yard at Independence Day, <laughs> and the sky lowered. Exactly, it looked just like that. It did. It was kind. Of, it was freaky. Here's another freaky thing that happened. This was on. Uh, Saturday afternoon, because actually it was when I was on my way to the Hollywood Theater to see the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation. It had been hailing again, I don't know, like 2.30 or something on Saturday. So there's all of this hail hitting the streets of Southeast Portland. I'm driving along. All of a sudden, the hail stops, and immediately the sun comes out, and it starts to warm up really quickly. And so the sun hits the ground, and so everywhere you looked, there was this low-lying mist that was about a foot off the ground. It was really, really weird. It was, I kept looking around to see if there was a fire or to see if somebody was running like a, like an ill-tended lawnmower or something because it looked like smoke. But everywhere you looked on the streets, there was just this mist that was hovering about a foot off the ground that had come from the hail hitting the ground and then immediately being hit by the sun. It was, it was, it was a whole weekend full of really bizarre weather. It was. Uh, let's see here. Um, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you want to know about citizen's arrest? Do I ever. Okay. It all depends, if you're a citizen, on how well you can um, uh, subdue somebody. Once you hold somebody, you just tell them you're under arrest for this and this, and then you call the police. And if they don't want to stick around, you got to hold them. If you don't hold them and the cops get there, you got nothing. If the cops get there, they have to take that person into custody. So and I could just be arresting people left and right. Oh, I've done a few. <laughs> when, is the last time, when is the last time you affected a citizen's arrest, and for what? Well... The last time was like 85, and that was 
she was a shoplifter. Turned out she tapped a liquor store clerk four days earlier and was carrying a loaded 2200 waistband. So wait, now did you see her shoplifting and then you just you said, hey there, hey there, you you have oh, to stay. I, I was a store detective. Oh, I see. So, yeah, I was, but I mean, let's just let's assume that I am in no position of authority whatsoever. If I'm just in a store and I see some woman, um, you know, stuffing some Aquanet into her pants, uh, can I just like just grab her by the grab her by the scruff yeah. and say you're you're staying here? You have to wait until she takes it out of the property, takes it off the property, makes it look like. She's obviously not going to pay for it, and she leaves the property of the building. Interesting. And then I call the man, and then the man comes and uh, does whatever. To take them into custody. But if you're wrong, she can sue you for oh. false arrest. Oh. Don't get involved. Oh, I see. So, so this, yeah, I was just going to say, so this is yeah, this is yet another case where I ought to just mind my own business because yeah. it doesn't involve me. Right. Usually usually yeah. a good look at them, you know, you give them, you give them a good, good greasy eye, they'll, they'll drop greasy whatever they're eye. doing. They'll just turn and leave. All right, thank you. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. And this is clearly another case where I had to just mind my own business. Absolutely. You'll be much happier now. Move along. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hey. This is Creepy Uncle Mike. Okay. Okay. Um, I think cops should go to park and do whatever the hell they want. They're the only guys that go to work. What the hell was that? Knowing they could be shot that day. I'm sorry? I'm sorry. There was a computer was making a weird noise in here. Oh. What? Mike, wait. What? Hello? Oh. I said cops should park wherever the hell they want. They're the only guys that go to work knowing they could be shot that day. That, well, well, look, we love cops and all that, and we're big supporters of, uh, of the police, but that's, but that's also not true. Uh, I would hope that cab drivers, uh, by, this, by your logic, cab drivers ought to be able to park. Where, cab drivers can't even carry guns, uh, and they get shot all the time. So, cab drivers. I'm just saying. I, I have a car. Yes? I don't need it. No one needs cab drivers. There's buses. There's trains. All right. Thanks. Don't no, battle that logic, Rick. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Argument. No, <laughs> that just made no sense. They're rickshaw drivers. And no one needs cabs. And they're roller skaters. Despite the fact that they've been in business in America for, you know, 120 years, no one needs them. That's why there are no cab companies anywhere. I don't really know. I don't know where that guy was coming from. Let's move on from this subject. It, clearly, it's bringing out, like, the worst. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I was talking about these scantily clad baristas. That just doesn't even make any sense. No one needs cabs. I have a car. I know. That's just, uh, that is just one phone call out of many, though. You can't <laughs> let it get to you. No one needs hamburger. All right, here's Tim Riley. I'm sorry. No, I know. He, I know he's he's not representative. I understand it. <laughs> I just... But you get the feeling that in that guy's head, that somehow made some kind of internal sense. Like, there was logic sort of from his perspective. Like, it was sort of a cubist form of logic where if you looked at it right, maybe you could see it. All right, we're going to move on. Maybe he was just running out of memory space, and that's what it spit out at that moment. <laughs> it's possible. a style modem. It's a 14.4, and that's what you get in circumstances like that. Possible responses include, what? Huh? No one uses cabs. I like cheese. I am never going to let you down. Won't hurt you. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a uh, scantily clad barista called 911 to report that she and a co-worker were being harassed by a customer at Espresso Gone Wild. Where workers are revealing themselves with scantily clad outfits serving coffee drinks at Kitsap County. The 18 and 19 year olds in a pickup truck carrying three men drove up, and the trio ordered several drinks. All three were recognized as regulars at the coffee stand. This is at the intersection of Old Highway 3 and Highway 16 in Gorst. 
That's spelled G O R S T. That's in that's in Bremerton. That's that's the place Nate Latte that I've been telling you guys about. Nate Latte. It used to be Nate Latte, and right. then they changed it. Okay. I guess I didn't know where Kitsap County was, which is why I couldn't read your list. Yes, there was mouthing something to me, and I because no, I, that's also where um where the uh, can't remember what's called like the Dirty Shack or something, where like half the people I went to high school with are yeah. all now dancing exotically. So the Dirty Shack. <laughs> Not Nate Latte, really? It used to be Nate Latte, yeah. And now it's what? What is it called now, Tim? What's the name of the business? It is called Espresso Gone Wild. Uh-huh. So the barista uh, said she saw a passenger in the front seat, put a digital camera, and waited for his order. She warned him, photos aren't allowed here, but he took one anyway. She called 911 to report harassment. I don't care, he said. He took several more pictures belligerently. I don't think you can do that. I don't think I'm no lawyer. I say now treading in the areas that we said like five minutes ago we were going to leave behind. So I make a citizen's arrest. I don't think it's illegal to take somebody's picture in public. Uh, I don't think that's illegal at all. I think if, if they're you're... inside private property. Now she's but inside if it's, this but it, place of business. But if it's private property visible from the street, hmm. Google Photographs has a picture of your house. Only the roof. <laughs> Really? Is that true? There's no street view? No, they don't have street views in my neighborhood yet. But, I mean, Google uh, Google Maps has photographs facing your house, which, unless your curtains are drawn, see into your home. It seems to me... I have shutters anyway. Well, that's so do I. No, and I never open the blinds. If you see the blinds open in my house, it means my wife is home. Because the first thing I do, <laughs> shut. You know what I want is I want those, like, um, those... Uh, those like DEFCON 5 NORAD like steel shutters. I or, never open my blinds ever. Right, no, that's the same thing. I want them. I really, if my wife didn't live with me, if I lived alone, I would have aluminum foil over my windows like one of those crazy people, and then I would just have steel blinds, and then they would be bolted shut all the time. And I know this makes me sound crazy, but when I'm indoors or indoor, whatever the correct usage there is, I detest natural light. I just hate it. Uh, that's only if I'm inside. Well, you picked a good area of the country to live in, then. You know what? And I did, I was complaining about the weather this weekend, and I realized this is the third time we've talked about the weather in about 14 I minutes. I want to hear more about the weather. Let's I'll talk about the weather. Talk about the weather. Your listeners love it, and they will find it compelling and relatable. How's the weather there, Rhonda? <laughs> the, uh, I will say that the frustrating thing for me about the weather this past weekend is that... Really? Well, it's just here's my thing. I do I like winter a lot, and I like I like it when it's dark and sort of cold and overcast. I find it, you know, it's sort of beautiful in, in a strange way. Um, but you know, when summertime comes around and it's warm and bright and sunny, that's great too. That's it's too hot. But it's just the sort of in between I can't stand. So if it's going to be cold, just have it be winter. Have it be dark and gloomy and cloudy and cold and gray, and then I can sort of get into it in a, in a sort of weird way. If it's going to be bright, make it bright and warm and whatever. It's when it's bright and sunny and 40 degrees outside. That's kind of what I can't take. Or when it's dark and cloudy and 92 degrees. It's just pick one or the other. Otherwise, I just find it too weird. So when I am indoors, natural light sort of bugs me. So I know that um, I, have, I mean, in my office upstairs, I have a window, and... I keep, and I know it frustrates a lot of people who work upstairs who don't have windows that I keep my blinds closed and shut I've year never, round. I've never looked out your window. I didn't mainly know. because the blinds are closed. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember what's to be seen outside your window. I didn't. I, yeah, I've been in that office on several occasions. Well, you have a beautiful view too. Blinds shut all the time, never open. Well, see, I like to keep my blinds shut because my apartment is kind of street level, and so when people walk by, they can like Muppet can see them or they can might see, see in my you apartment. in the all together yeah. somehow. Yeah, I don't the, like that. I didn't know there was. Can I just tell you this? Yeah. I didn't know there was a window in my office for about the first month I was in there because I went in and the day I moved into that office the blinds were shut and I think I it mentally just sort of went ah good taken care of and then just and somebody asked me like well somebody at the coin tower was like hey so you moved over there do you have a window and I went 
um, I don't know. And I realized that I didn't know whether I had a window because I just kept it shut. All That's why I love places like airports, casinos, uh, hospitals, anything that is open 24 hours a day where it's, you know, it's, it's climate controlled. It, there's no natural light, no natural air. Everything is man-made. So I don't know what my point here was. But, I don't know why I started talking I, I about see, it. I usually I use my, my first floor uh, shutters shut. Second and third floor, I open them, and the dormer on the fourth floor, well, it has no blinds. Yeah, I just like to be able to control the environment in my home. So, yeah, so when Laura's not around or when I lived by myself, man, I just had the blinds and the shutters and the curtains and the, everything closed always. Oh, if I wanted it bright inside, turned on the light. You know why? I'm a man of the 21st century. I create my own light. I have I, I have a magical miniature of... sun. There were days when I had no shades. There were days when I had no power. <laughs> no carpet on the floor, no picture on the wall. Wait, you're doing a thing over there. That's a John Schneider song. Yeah, yeah, When he tried is. to make his uh, country come back. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, here's Tim Riley. So these are are these all the calls about citizens' arrests? No, it's, it's about the weather. Richie, what are these people calling about? Are they calling about citizens' arrest, cops, bodies under houses? I think we're going to move on from the citizens' arrest topic, because that seemed to bring out people who didn't really have their thoughts all put together as well as they thought they did. It was did. only one bad person, but that was enough. <laughs> only one bad it, apple. It only takes one bad person to ruin someone's day. <laughs> really? No, I'm, it, and, and you didn't even leave the, leave the room for it. It was just the best part. <laughs> you didn't even have to venture outside the room. Outside your margin of safety. They came in here and got you. That guy's whole thought was like an erector set with no wrench. You know what I mean? It was like a whole bunch of things that might have made sense, just put together really poorly. But you're right. They just came over the phones. I never, I didn't even have to leave the studio to find to find someone that made no sense. I was able to get them here in the comfort. That's why, and I know you guys have heard me say this before. That's why I love this studio because there's no window to the outside, and well, I know, it's, it's dark and gloomy. Well, no, and also it's really dark. Uh, it's like working in a cave, and I do quite like that. And the weather's never distracting because we don't know what the heck's going on. That's my other thing, is working in a radio studio with a window, I didn't like it because, uh, yeah, if, if the weather was dark and bad outside, then maybe it affected your personality. Uh, if the weather was really great, then you got, like, spring fever or whatever and wanted to leave. Here, it is, it is the same weather in the studio every single day. Uh, that is to say, stuffy and filled with dust. So, uh, but you know what? It's consistent, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay, let's see. We've got somebody about taking pictures of other people in public, somebody about window office, somebody about privacy glass. Well, hold on. Let's let's see here. Is the dice of destiny? Yes, type? it is. Today I won't I won't choose this. But let's let the dice of destiny choose for us. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Hey, I was going to tell you, uh, I'm kind of like you to the fact I don't like having my windows open. Uh-huh. Yeah, my wife likes the natural light. So I went down and bought this roll of film at home, and you put it on your window from the inside. From the outside, it looks like an office building. It's just reflective. It looks like you're looking in a mirror, but from the inside, you can see right out. We used to have that in my home in Kennewick. My dad bought that and put that on the window. So, yeah, and it sort of tinted it. It's like a, like a beige sort of tint. No, my, mine actually, from the outside, it looks just like a mirror. It's silver, and, and it reflects a lot of the uh, heat from the sun, too. Yeah, so you can see out, but they can't see in. Exactly. They, could, I, they can be exactly right on the other side of the window. And Let me ask you this. How that. often do you stand in front of the window nude? Often. <laughs> every, time that, every time that pretty mail carrier uh, walks by, just standing there with tackle out. Uh, my whole thing is not even being seen. 
I just find weather to be really distracting. I think weather does affect my mood maybe a little bit, and so I think subconsciously over the years I've just tried to I've tried to avoid. I mean, this makes me sound like such a freak. I've tried to uh, avoid encountering weather whenever possible. Yeah. All right. Thank you. How are we doing, Rick? All right. That makes me sound. It crazy. It does make you sound crazy. Shoe boxes on my uh, Kleenex boxes on my feet. Fingernails five inches long. Here's Tim Riley. That sounds like a little country song too. What are these white specks of dust on the counter? Well, anyway, it's a giant wooden airplane. Let's talk about Richard Quest's kinky sex bust. Do, yeah, that's fantastic. So this happened late Friday afternoon. And it has been all the rage. CNN reporter Richard Quest, who I haven't seen in ages, I wouldn't know where to find him if I wanted to, who I think is among the best. He is, uh, as his biography states, or perhaps stated on CNN, he is one of the network's most visible and readily identifiable anchors. <laughs> uh, Sarah, do you have the sound clip for which he became famous on this show? Right across his posterior. <laughs> I love that guy. What was the other one? Uh, what was the... Gone, sacked, fired. Gone, sacked, fired. Uh, and uh, was he the one who also said, snicky, snacky, wacky, cracky? Yep. I, in what context did he even say that? I, I believe it, it was during the Wimbledon uh, coverage. Snicky, snacky, wacky, cracky? Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to have... I really lament the fact that we don't have that, but... All right. Well, okay. they didn't give us any warning when they fired us the last time. No, it's true. So we lost a few things. Uh, so back to the story of Richard Quest. Known for his bombastic style on the air, has been sentenced by a New York judge to six months of drug counseling... He appeared in court Friday following a night in jail. Richard Quest spent a night in jail. It was like nobody cared. He was picked up in the wee hours of the morning, it doesn't seem by who, in Central Park. Uh, according to the New York Post, now he was in Central Park, which has a curfew apparently. He had a packet of meth in his pocket. And here comes, well, the unusual part. He had a rope tied around his neck and his genitals. And had a sex toy stuffed into his boot. He was charged with loitering in the park after hours. Central Park is closed between 1 and 6 a.m. His lawyer claims that Quest was unaware of that. Uh, he was simply on his way to visit a friend. Uh-huh. Sounds like he was on his way from visiting a friend. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps many friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Michael style. <laughs> the Manhattan Criminal Court said if Quest completes his rehab and stays out of trouble for six months, the case will probably be sealed and dropped. So it does pay to be Richard Quest. But I think as uh, I think Seamus uh, noted this, that it, did anybody not think that guy was on drugs? I mean, I, and I, he, I think he made some comment to the effect that, you know, you always just assume he's on like nine different things, which is great, which is fantastic. And I have to tell you this, for the record, I am not uh, shocked, surprised, dismayed, saddened, disappointed, irritated. I am all uh, I am all for this. I'm all for Richard Quest doing whatever he needs to do to be Richard Quest uh, because he is because he's fantastic. So, uh, did you know they offered him a job with the English-language Al Jazeera network? Yes, it says here he turned it down uh, because being gay and Jewish, he didn't think it would be a good fit. <laughs> but wouldn't, I mean, don't you almost wish he'd taken it, though? Yeah. Just to see, because <laughs> isn't that the, is that not the, Al Jazeera is the, it's Arab, but is it, is it a also Islamic news network? Is that the thing? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Let's see Richard Quest on an Islamic news network. Mm-hmm. How great would that be? Uh, let's see if I have, let's see what this is here. I don't have it. I can't seem to find him. I can't seem to find him saying the outgone sack fired thing. There's him interviewing Juliet Lewis mm-hmm. about the inclusion of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but yeah, no, I got nothing. All right. If anybody out there has, uh, any great, uh, Richard Quest sound bites, please send them to us because we only have the right across his posterior one. So 
Here's Tim Riley. It's really unfair. It is. I mean, and it just doesn't it seem like this story absolutely requires more mm-hmm. uh, Richard Quest. So anyway, and and here's the thing. Here's how telling. No, wait. It's telling. Here's how. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But with some journalists, if this had been the case, like if some, somebody had been discovered with meth in their pocket, which is the first thing I read. The first version of the story was just that they found him in Central Park. Um, and that he actually told, to his credit, he told the company, like, look, I've got some meth in my pocket, uh, <laughs> or whatever. Um, and because he didn't want them to find it and think he was hiding it. So he said, like, look, I've got meth in my pocket. And, and, but then later, the version, I, the New York Post, of course, as they always do, found all the best information. The New York Post said, by the way, he had a rope around his neck tied to his genitals and a sex toy in his boot, which is great. I mean, in his boot. Why would it even be in his boot? Why not just in his pocket? Well, it is New York. I suppose. I mean, maybe it was. Maybe he has really small pockets or a really big sex toy. So it was hidden in his boot. And I think if this had been, you know, whoever, uh, you know, pick another journalist. If it, if it had been Larry King, <laughs> I mean, we all would have been shocked and amazed and horrified. If it had been um, Charles Gibson, uh, if it had been, um, you know, Wolf Blitzer. I mean, we all would have been like, that is insane. I can't believe what I'm reading. But, I mean, the fact that it was Richard Quest, I kind of went, yeah, all right, fair enough. I mean, it just it surprised me not even the slightest bit. So, all right. God bless you, Richard Quest. God bless you. This makes me like him even more. Here's Tim Riley. Maybe they'll give him a better job. I should call CNN. I should have mentioned that to Lisa. Should have mentioned that to Lisa Desjardins to pass along our support and admiration to Richard Quest. We should send him a little something. Just maybe a little, uh, like a fruit basket or something. Tell him that we support him, and we find that this makes him an even more interesting character. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, an Australian morgue has bought a forklift to help its staff handle the increasing number of very heavy dead bodies. Uh, the head of the Glebe morgue said morbidly obese corpses need special handling. The forklift will help with moving them, although it won't solve another problem. That soft tissue, like fat, tends to uh, purify more quickly. Uh. Yes, a fat person will go off more quickly than a skinny person. About half the population of, uh, well, of Sydney, Australia, is now considered obese. The deceased persons will, uh, oh, I see, this new forklift reflects the growing obesity problem in the community. But what is the problem with fat people, that they're going to liquefy or something? Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't seen one lately, but apparently oh. that's so. Oh, never mind. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hey, this is Dennis. Hello, Hi. I uh, thought I'd uh, bring up the fact that uh, in my uh, never-ending quest to walk down the rungs of the corporate ladder at CBS Radio, uh, I once occupied your office, and I thought maybe I could trade you to go back to staring at the dingy gray wall that is now my cubicle. I forgot about that. How many, um, let me ask you this, how many different workspaces have you had since you've been employed here? Uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh just then. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, I feel that you know as many times as I've, I've quoted Office Space that I deserve the Milton uh, category. Pretty much, uh, exclusivity uh, has been now given to me. Because when you first were here, you were in the office that that I'm now in. Then they moved down in the hall to Susan's old office. Yeah. Then you were over by the sales area, uh, sort of towards uh, Dave's office. Then they, then they. Michael's office. Then they moved now, you there, and then Bridget kicked you out of there, and now you're somewhere else again. Yeah, I'm over on the KUFO side now. Fantastic. So you, I do, I, so it's been you've you've been in every space about sixty days before they move you somewhere else. 
Pretty much. I've, I've stopped putting uh, push pins in my posters. Let's put it that way. Excellent. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, so should I uh, go ahead and box myself up so I get my window back? Uh, no, but it does seem inevitable that by the end of the day they'll probably move you somewhere else. So boxing might be a good idea anyway. All right. Thanks for the advice. Thank you. All right. There you go. Dennis Pittsburgh. Uh, let's see here. This report is... Well, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. This guy's saying about Richard Quest. So there were, the cops found a sex toy in his boot, and they're saying that's the trunk of his car. This, listen, this, here's what it actually says. For report is cops found the sex toy in the boot of car, which is his trunk, you idiot. Get educated. He that's, what, that's what I first thought was the that, boot. That's, but what, it's, that's what I thought. But, but it, he wouldn't be driving in New York. But yeah. It, he wouldn't be driving his car through Central Park, would he? Well, you can drive through Central Park. But I thought they said they were, were they in a car together? And this is from the New York Post. The New York Post is the one who said a sex toy in his boot. So the New York Post wouldn't be talking in some weird, fake British British slang or something. No, no, sir, I believe it's you that is uneducated, sir. I believe it is you who needs to go back and re-examine the lexicon. That just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, if it was like in the mirror or something, uh, or the Times... But I mean, the New York Post said boot, so I'm assuming that means like in his like boot, like shoe. Plus, why would the cops be searching the trunk of his car? For I mean, well, whatever. Uh, let's see. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a thief was caught on surveillance video breaking into a Florida restaurant and stealing an empty cash register. The security footage shows the robber smashing the restaurant's window and going right in. The robber was a 175-pound Hispanic. Uh, they said he had on white shoes and was dressed in a short sleeve shirt. The video was taken at the Azteca restaurant in Kissimmee, Florida. So there's no money in the register. I'm still looking for a Richard Quest mugshot. Oh, I saw I saw what purported saw to be somewhere. I saw what purported to be the Richard Quest mugshot where he didn't look too good. Uh mugshots never really do. Let's see, uh I think I just I think I just had that actually. Hold on. Richard Quest. If it's the one that uh it's the one that I'm thinking of. Um, bah, 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 bah. Oh, here we go. Let me see if I can um, see this one. Just this one just skips right to it and says dildo in his pocket. Uh, all right, so I've got this on. Now this is from a YouTube video, so I'm unclear about sort of the the provenance of this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what is the? Uh, yeah, there's no audio of any kind here. Okay, it's it's buffering, but it's uh, there's some some YouTube video that I guess. Um, then later shows his mugshot. So I'll, I'll see if we can uh, if we can get that. All right, let's do this call, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. I was just wondering if you could play that right across this posterior thing one more time. It makes me laugh hysterically you every mean, time I hear you it. You mean this, sir? Right across his posterior. There we go. I can't hear it. Oh, well, but... Right across his posterior. All right, there you go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Let's take a break. Back after this, more from Tim Riley later on. Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, the top five and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. All right, so the guy who called or who emailed and was upbraiding me about my confusing boot with trunk of the car in the rich requesting. Apparently, we we were right though. This guy says, "My apologies. When a Brit talks, you naturally assume they're correct, and the guy from Kennewick is wrong. 
It was a British blog that said sex toy in the boot of his car, but his lawyer, that's Richard Quest's lawyer, reports the toy was in his boot, uh, on his foot, and it was... But this is weird. The lawyer says that it was in his boot and that it was, in fact, his room key. What kind of hotel are you staying at that the room key looks like a dildo? Anyway, and also, quote, that he is known for rope tricks. Oh, maybe he's in a rodeo. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's about time that someone has invented something to kill blackberry bushes. Yes, it's a battle between humans and blackberry bushes. And the humans, it appears, may be winning. This new device, invented by an Oregonian, where the greatest inventions always take place, is a blackberry annihilator. Uh, the machine will knock out uh, bushes for two to three years. Now, the Northwest is actually the home of a Western European import of the blackberry. Somebody brought these here in the 19th century, and they've been growing ever since. So, apparently, some people have yards with the blackberry bushes threatening to take over. So, uh, this machine, apparently, will uh, rip the blackberry bushes up by the roots. It is, it, it combines teeth and a rake. It is attached to a front loader. It digs up blackberries by their roots. You can clear, uh, say, a path of uh, 2,000 square feet in 10 minutes. Was this really something that was a huge problem in Portland? Were we? Was this really one of our one of our larger issues to deal with? That there are blackberry bushes. Well, they accomplish something. All right. Some people make movies. Other people clear blackberries. Would you like to hear some random notes that I made to myself this weekend? About what? Okay. Two things. Okay, you have your you have your choice. I guess I have no choice. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, oh, I have a choice of both. You have two choices. <laughs> I have two choices. Never mind. I'll put no, the notes back. I I want to hear them both. I have three. All right, I want to hear all three. <laughs> I don't know why it just seemed like a good transitional thing between blackberry bushes and whatever was going to be next. Um. So, uh, in any event. Well, never. Now there's all this pressure. Now I don't even feel like I uh, like I want to read them. No, I really want to hear them. Do you have a dental appointment today? Is that your thing? No, I'm going to the uh, dermatologist. Okay, all right. So, but I, just, uh, I might not have to be operated on after all. I was actually wondering if you were if we, if we was going to be uh, if it was going to be weird uh, mouth Tim tomorrow. But no, no, it's 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 back weird back Tim. But but as it happens, what I was supposed to have removed deflated over the weekend, so it's no longer there. <laughs> I don't think things in your body are supposed to deflate, oh, except this, your lungs. This did. Wow. <laughs> this is the most honest you've ever been about your body with us ever. I thought it was the dentist. I apologize. No, I don't go back to the dentist for another couple of months. I'll let you know, though. <laughs> Can I just tell you, my wife finally went to the dentist after just you like told a... told us that story last Friday. I was going to tell another part of it, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's all right. Back to the notes. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just going to put these down. Let's do some more news stories. I don't, I don't wish to offend. Oh, everything's fine. <laughs> Who was offended about what? I don't remember. I'm just saying. I was going to make an observation about my wife. Rick, you repeat yourself all the time. Just tell your, tell your Lara. No, story. I was going to say that Lara went to the dentist, um, and like myself, she has, you know, it's been like 40 years since she went, and I don't know whether this is. I'm not saying the dentist is scamming her. I won't identify the dentist. I'm just going to say she went in. First of all, there's two two questions I have. One, and I'm asking these because I am not going to go back to the sort of pseudo-dentist that I went to before because you were horrified by all of his techniques and the fact that he didn't give me an estimate and the fact that he like, wouldn't tell me what was happening. He said, you lay back, be quiet. You let me do all work. Um, so, A, is the deep clean that the dentist gives you a scam or not? There's the regular cleaning and then the so-called deep cleaning. Right. It means you really do need it. Okay, so the deep cleaning is not like a fake 
It's not like when you buy a car and they want to sell you undercarriage coating or something. No. So, this, so the deep cleaning is a real, that's an actual technique. It's not a yeah. ripoff. It means you're in lots of trouble. <laughs> okay. Well, she's getting that. But here's the, the other. And, uh, and with age come these things. And time marches on. And <laughs> our bodies aren't what they used to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> what with things being cleaned and deflated all the time. Um, so, no, the guy told her that not only does she need a deep cleaning, but that apparently it's so bad that... It's going to take several visits, and this is where she thought it, like it might be a scam, um, because the guy's like, your mouth is in such bad shape, we can actually only clean one quadrant of your mouth yeah. per visit. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so that's not so that's a that, known thing. Th- that's even more serious than what you were going to have. Well, I'm, I'm, there, I'm, there are levels of seriousness. Plain cleaning, where, where they just use that toothbrushy thing. No, I got the, yeah! That, that thing. second. Yeah. So you're not as bad as your wife, as far as your teeth go, okay. which you can brag about. Okay. Third is too much of neglect for a long time, and they can only do one quadrant at a time because it is so serious and it is so painful. <laughs> Have fun, like, honey. Like the day after. <laughs> mm. Excellent. But you know what? The insurance company will only pay for one quadrant at a time. That's, that's the other thing. That's the thing she said. That's the other reason she felt like maybe she was being screwed. No, you got to play their game. Yeah, she's like, she's like I, they'll only do one quadrant, and she wondered if it was a way to chisel more money out of the insurance company. Also, the place she goes... uh if she pays a little bit out of pocket, they'll give you gas. Oh, that's good. Uh, they will give you the gas. And so... so well, that's if, an added bonus. Oh, so I'm totally going there because God only knows... I mean, because this last dentist, so-called, that I went to, he may have just gotten everything wrong, for all I know. He's out back-shoeing horses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even really know that there was any film in the x-ray machine. He may have just been... You know, he may be just using the same set of x-rays on every patient, for all I know. You know, use same film. Patient not know. And so... These look like Hitler's teeth. (laughs) His teeth made out of pine. (laughs) So... So anyway, that is the part that I didn't get a chance to say on Fridays, that my wife's teeth are apparently so bad, she has to do the deep cleaning one painful quadrant at a time. Yeah, that's, and some of it out of her own pocket if she wants the gas, which I think is kind of the only way to go. Now, when you get the gas done... It's is, hilarious. Is it, now, is it, truly, is, it, is it truly laughing gas in the sense that things are funny, or do you just not care? Funny and not care. Really? Valium is not care. See, that's laughing gas is ha-ha and not care. <laughs> You sound, you sound like Tonto. <laughs> Laughing gas is ha-ha and not care. You de- you get deep cleaning. Um, so, anyway, the, the only reason I'm asking is because, as goes my wife, probably me too. Because so her condition is more serious than yours. And I'm probably going to go to the same dentist because I never did get my cavity taken care of. So I'm going to go to the same dentist probably. But she said that the dentist is actually really good. She had just never heard of yeah. the one quadrant at a time. But I guess the gas, she has to pay out, out of her own pocket, but apparently it's totally worth it. Yeah, so, you'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the next day when I'm full of pain. Yeah. So the deep cleaning, is that with like a little electronic, like it vibrates, a little vibrating metal That's thing? That's what you had. What she has, they're going to pick at her by hand. Oh. <laughs> you got a really sinister look on your face well, when you did that just now. Well, because it's been done to me. Kind of a Lawrence Olivier Pick at her look. by hand. Yep. <laughs> and you were doing and this sort of... done like every four years. Oh. It's that little clopping. I can't remember. Oh, those claws. Awful. Scrapes. Let me tell you that Lara and I have been together uh, for uh, a decade, and I don't remember her ever having gone to the dentist, so I think her teeth are probably in a bad way. I think they're... They'll be fine after this. Now, see, here's the good news, though. Um, because I did get my teeth cleaned at the pseudo-dentist, mm-hmm. when I go the to pseudo-dentist. a... When I, when I go to the, the paintist, when I go to the real dentist, he's going to think that I've been taking much better care of my teeth than I really have, because I just got them cleaned at the other place. So he's going to well, go... Well, they have to transfer the records. Oh. 
Well, okay. You just don't surf. Well, I'm going to demand for, I'm going to demand new X-rays though because I don't think his last dentist really knew what he was doing. So I'm going to. Your insurance company won't allow it. Really? Is that true? Mm-hmm. I'll pay for it myself. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I have to rely on these. I I just suspected the last X-rays were really more of like, like charcoal sketches. Like there was like they were sort of just casting a shadow puppet of my mouth on the wall, and the guy was just sort of tracing it. But if if it makes you feel better, when I had my dentist on 82nd, uh huh. After they they did the X-rays. The other woman at the front desk came in shaking her head, saying, that girl did not know what she was doing. <laughs> that's all. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Well, especially on 82nd, you come to expect it. Fire that, that person that, immediately. Because they're there, they, they can't move downtown, where, where you might have to do a little bit of a better job. I'll take things you don't want to hear at the dentist's office for a thousand. I told her the soap is right there. Anywho, I don't even know what we're doing. Here's Tim Riley. The I thought you were going to read us some list. You know, but that just seemed to go all awkward. So, uh, well, okay. Let me just... read at least one. My, here's here's you a note. Can't I can't promise three things and deliver zero. Uh, I have a bad joke that I made this weekend, and it was bad. But... You made or made up? No, no, no. I made. You made up and made. Well, my I'm, my wife asked me a question on on Saturday, and I responded immediately with what I thought was a pretty good joke uh, that I sort of you know came to me on the fly. So I've got that. I've got an upcoming guest who I'm going to have Richie try to wrangle for us. Or I've got an interesting thing about language. What do you want to hear? I want to hear the joke that you're so proud I, of. I want to hear the bad joke. <laughs> All right. So we were. So I can tell it again to somebody. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and claim it to be your own. Yes. I think I'm being humored. In case there's like a, a lull in the social occasion. <laughs> You know, I who wants to hear a joke? Who wants to hear a very funny joke? I made it up myself. You can today is awesome. Feel those awkward pauses in the next like sort of like management meeting or something. Um, oh, do you need one that's to set up the no, joke for you? No. So we're driving around. This is where we went to Tosis uh, for for lunch. So we're driving around trying to figure out where to go. And, uh, you know, we we're trying to figure out what kind of food we wanted. And that's how she and I always kind of work at it from the edges. Like, do we want Mexican food, Italian food? You know, do we want. Um, you know, you know the regular like bag greasy American food. What do we want? And so, um, my wife my wife says to me, "So have you ever had Ethiopian food?" And I I replied without even thinking, "No," and neither have they. No, and neither have they. That is humorous, sort of. You're making fun of starving people. No, I'm just saying. Well, a little bit. Anyway, admit that that's kind of funny. It is. If I, if I was a comedian in the '80s, that would have gotten me a booking at Catch a Rising Star. Or the you Valley would... Hilton. Do you want to hear the uh, Do you want to hear the alternate punchline? Yeah. Sure. My wife. I, this is how lame I am. As we're driving around in the car, I actually asked her the same question. I'm like, hey, honey, do you want to hear the alternate punchline to that? And she she said, and she had exactly the same reaction you guys do. Sure. If and I must. So she asked again. She's like, have you ever had Ethiopian food? And I said, I didn't know there was any. I I didn't know that there was any. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Let's set this over here. More than 140 people in Russia hospital for food, food poisoning after eating fish balls made from a... Made from a pepper fish. I'm sorry. Was that a funnier joke than that? Wait, are any of them dead? Where were they hospitalized? Are any of them, any of them dead? Eating fish balls. 140 people. They ate fish balls in the soup. Offered at a funeral. What's a fish ball? What's a fish ball? I've never eaten... Have you eaten fish ball? I've eaten fish sticks. No. Well, I've never taken a good close look at a fish anyway. 
to see that area. After the funeral, guests started vomiting. Their tongues felt numb. They had weak hands and legs, and they were suffering chest pains. They also suffered from shortness of breath. Uh, the district has a limited capacity to uh, cure patients, and soon more people were sick after eating fish balls. Is, wait, is anyone dead here? No. Okay, so we can make all the fun. Where was this at? This happened in Bangkok. Oh, I see. So not here. Mm-hmm. It attacks the nerve cells, apparently, says uh, Dr. Pasit, an expert on uh, uh, fish diseases. So you don't want to eat Bangkok fish balls? No. They'll be kept under observation for the next 48 hours. No, it's a health observation. I something you want. A lot of people are very ill from putting those fish balls in their mouths. At Bangkok, something you want to avoid. You want to avoid Bangkok fish balls. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good travel advisory. I'm going to write Rick Steves about that. Yes, it's KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Riley. Anybody seen the video of the man who was stuck in the elevator for 41 hours? No. Oh, no. He was on Good Morning America today. The How t- exciting could that video possibly be? What's he doing now? He's sitting in the elevator. They showed him pacing back and forth. <laughs> really? And he kept, he kept, like open, he kept opening the doors to see if he had arrived yet, and he did not. How can you pace in an elevator? He, well, if you're the only person in there, you do have room. Well, I suppose that's true. And what else are you going to do, really? So he kept... Wait, was he between floors? Yes. But even between floors, you'd have space to crawl out, wouldn't you? No. Where was this at? At New York. Hmm. It was New York's McGraw-Hill building. Uh, apparently, this happened in 1999, but it was just posted on the YouTube. And uh, let's see. So he's been... Oh, apparently, the video shows him pacing, trying to climb the walls, lying down, curling up in a fetal position, and prying open the doors. So the big question is, and I will answer it, he relieved himself down the shaft. By opening the doors. So lucky they didn't close while he was doing that. Uh, he was the production manager of Business Week when he left his office at 11 o'clock on a Friday night for a cigarette break. See, cigarettes will kill you. According to the article, it was never determined exactly why the elevator stalled there for such a lengthy period of time. So he relieved himself down the elevator shaft. Yes. Well, he was hoping it would attract attention, but... Uh, <laughs> It did not. <laughs> is it raining? Right. I mean, Has someone well, spilled well, ammonia? It's, it's New York, and people are always peeing down elevator shafts. <laughs> why, why would that arouse any suspicion? When you need relief, use the shaft. So Here's... apparently it's, a, it's all the rage. It's been reviewed 280,000 times on the YouTube. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. A man is wanted for a monkey theft. I guess this would be a monkey. Well, it's Is a, this a monkey watch? It's kind of a mini monkey watch. A mini monkey watch. Here's Tim Riley. I'm sorry. Here's your monkey watch for... And by the way, I want you geeks to know that that music, he says accusingly, is the work of Eric Korngold. That music right there? So it's been played on this program for many years. We have saluted Eric Korngold every time we play that. Is that Eric Korngold that created the Star Wars theme, Tim Riley? No, no, it was <laughs> stolen from him. And this watch I remember you created, Tim Riley. That's correct. That is true. No, that is uh, that was created uh, by you. You created the Monkey Watch theme by hand. I think version two of the show, but I'm not sure. A long time ago. Have we been using... What is the oldest watch theme that we use? Oh, I have no idea. The It was the Saddam watch at one point. We don't use the Osama watch anymore. We gave up on That's that. That's good, because they're never... They're, Morgan Spurlock, notwithstanding, they're never going to find him. Um, oh, you know what? It probably is. What? Oh, this this might be this might be the oldest. And the people who died, we've been using for a long time. All right, here's your monkey watch. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, this comes here from Florida. From where? Florida. Bum, 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 bum. Sorry. 
Uh, two marmoset monkeys named Lola and Tequila have been stolen. Both monkeys uh, were recovered in recent days, but the man suspected of stealing them, Kevin Hunot, remains missing. Hunot had a warrant out for his arrest by the county sheriff's office Kevin. in connection with a separate case. Kevin Hunot be found yet. Uh, Hunot will be charged with occupying burglary, <laughs> grand theft, and dealing in stolen property. Anyone with information on this monkey thief is urged to call the crime line. So he's a 25-year-old man, and now he's stealing rare monkeys. So... Uh, do uh, keep an eye on your monkeys if you live in Florida. You know, Tim, it starts with monkeys. It starts gate- with monkeys. It's a gateway It's theft. a gateway monkey. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gateway primate. Also, uh, we should note at that Raiders of the Lost Ark shot-for-shot shot adaptation we saw on, on uh, well, Saturday, yeah. one of the best things ever is how they couldn't find a spider monkey. So, so, they got, so they had a dog named Snickers Snicker. perched on their shoulder that they trained to do the Hitler salute, which is great. Because there's that whole sequence where they catch the guy and the guy goes, hi, Hitler, you know, when the Nazis come by. And then the monkey does the Hitler salute. And they, they went to the trouble of training the dog to do a Nazi salute. Bad dates. There's your monkey watch for uh, uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Here's Tim Riley. Don't forget, one random caller today. Wins a copy of Gumby the Movie on DVD. Go green with Gumby the Movie. Director's Cut. Available for the first time on DVD, April 22nd. Bonus Gumby toy included in every DVD. Look for it wherever DVDs are sold. Richard Quest would love that. Yes, he yes he would. Uh, authorities say a group of children playing on the beach in Florida had discovered a human skeleton. The sheriff's office said yesterday's find is being investigated as a suspicious death. The person was dead for about a month. It's not clear if the remains belong to a man or a woman. A group of children aged 11 to 13 chased their ball into a large yard in the oceanfront home. They found the skeleton in thick grass, about in about uh, three feet of seagrass. So that'll probably scar them for life. The sheriff's office is talking to the residents about that uh, skeleton. Uh, let's see what the CBS Evening News anchor uh, Katie Couric back in the news. Her boss is presenting a united front when it comes to rumors that. She may leave her job. As a matter of fact, they release a statement every day saying she still works. No, 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 no. Honestly, she's still here. Please keep watching. Please. please. This time, according to the Washington Post, Les Moonves told staffers during a meeting that Carrick is, quote, my anchor today, tomorrow, and then the future. That line sounds familiar. That sounds like it's from um, Good Night, good night good and luck. Good Luck, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm with you today. I'm with you tomorrow. He's stealing the lines of William S. Paley. Uh, Moonves also said he's proud of Carrick, and the network is lucky to have her. There has been recent speculation that she'll leave CBS following this November's presidential election. She took the job way back in 2006, but it seems like she's been there forever. It seems like an eternity. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I did have another uh, related story here. Apparently, Viacom has got to start another movie network. And what did I do with that story? Well, I'll find it later. Yeah, they want to start a new uh, a pay TV network, but it'll include several studios. Uh, Richard Branson plans to add another first to his resume. The Virgin Atlantic boss plans to be the first to perform a wedding in space. The couple will be married on board the maiden voyage of Virgin Galactic's Spaceship Two, which is scheduled for a flight next year. The couple is among 200 other people who have paid almost $200,000 per ticket for the chance to go 70 miles above the Earth. Branson is no stranger to officiating weddings without being on the ground. He performed a ceremony for a Virgin executive last year on the flight from San Francisco to... Las Vegas. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Hello. Uh, say, did you guys... I, I missed the first hour and a half of the show because I was in a, in a meeting, and I heard you talking about the dog doing the salute. Yeah. Well, I was there on Saturday, and you know what? That film was so awesome. It was fantastic. It was, it was righteous. 
So anyhow, you didn't notice, Rick, but they had a fish line tied to that dog's paw. Oh, really? So they didn't yeah. they didn't teach the dog. So they had like a little um, whatever you call it that. Yeah, they've been fishing line. Closely above the dog, you could see the fish line shining in the light. Well, that's actually the dog's name is Snickers. That was kind of more impressive, actually, because you know, dog can you know be taught to shake hands or raise his hand. The idea that they just went right with a practical uh, prop for that is pretty great. Yeah, that whole movie is just, and I mean this in the best possible way, is just a mark of insanity. But I mean, really, the the special kind of insanity that really only grips you when you're either some really artistic type or a teenager or both. I mean, who? Who sticks with anything for seven years like as an adult? I mean, not to say when you're a teenager and have a, an even shorter attention span. The only I, those two guys, they're the only ones I believe in this world that would stick to something that long. It really was uh, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I mean, it's not like a thing you're going to watch all the time, but I mean, I, I am so glad uh, that we all went to see it. It was, it was one of the... One of the truest manifestations, really, of love for film that I think I've ever seen. I mean, it it kind of shames. So firing, you know. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It was. Like... I mean, what else in Mississippi is there to have hope for? <laughs> I mean, if you're growing up there, I mean, what is there? Um, and I mean it. Uh, over the course of seven years, they said it cost about five grand, um, which is even then not a lot of money. So it, it really does. It, it, it probably it puts every other piece of fan film, I think, just to shame. I mean, it's like the, it, they're almost, bless you, there is almost no point in anybody else making a fan film at this point because the definitive one has been, has been done. There's, nobody could ever out-fan film that's this thing. It. They, that's it. They broke the mold. Yeah, they, they, that's they it. The category it. is done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yesterday I, was, uh, I, I rewatched the movie, the, the, the real one, and it gave me such an appreciation for the movie after watching what they did because it made me really focus on everything that occurred in that movie. Well, that was my thing, too, actually, and it's funny, I had the same, I ended up not doing it because Laura and I went out, but um, I almost went home and watched the original Raiders uh, on DVD simply because it is sort of interesting. You know what it is? It's like hearing a classic song um, that maybe is played too much, like Stairway to Heaven or something, or Freebird. Uh, there was this great episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer some years ago where they did this kind of stripped-down acoustic version of Freebird and really restructured the song, and it was cool because it kind of let you hear it fresh. And to appreciate the song without all of its sort of trappings. And watching that Raiders adaptation, in a way, it let you appreciate it sort of all over again because you were able to watch it just as a movie and not as a big cultural artifact, not as, you know, exactly. not as a piece of history. So, actually, I'm glad you liked it, sir. Hey, hold on. I have one request. Yes, sir. May. Since that movie's coming out in, what, like a month? Uh, May 22nd, one week after Listener Party 11. Okay, you guys always start out the show with uh, some movie sounder. Yes. Time to start giving us some Indiana Jones stuff. We almost did that on Friday, and then I forgot I about it. I almost did it today. I had an Indiana Jones one, but I'm like, oh, did we do it on Friday? I couldn't remember. We will, as we get closer to May 22nd, we will do that, sir. Thank you, Dr. Jones. All right, no time for love. Thank you. All right, here's Tim. Oh, I'm sorry, I just hung up on somebody. Uh, sorry, whoever that guy from Arizona. I just hung up on some caller from Arizona. Sorry. Here's Tim Riley. So to overtake Barack Obama in the nationwide popular vote, Hillary needs a bigger win in tomorrow's presidential primary than she's ever had before. And that's just for starters. After more than 40 Democratic primaries and caucuses, Obama leads Clinton by more than 800,000 votes. Now, even if the New York senator wins by more than, say, 20% tomorrow, uh, a landslide that few expect, she would have a hard time catching up to him at this point. So Hillary's making a last-ditch attempt to drum up some voters in uh, Pennsylvania. 
I need you to make those phone calls. I need you to drive people to the polls. I need you to make sure that the last-minute canvassing is done. Go to their homes with weapons. Uh, McCain said the vote for him is not a vote to win the war in Iran. Let me read that by McCain says a vote for him is not a vote in favor of a war with Iran. That's what he said in some talk. I think a vote for me means that I know how to uh, work together with our allies in a league of democracies to bring about meaningful and impactful sanctions on the Iranians. Right, he's my, making Hillary statements now. My bones are half dust. Uh, Bill Cosby is being honored for his work and leadership. At a historic church in Harlem, he uh, received the Paul Robeson Award, and he signed copies of his new book. In recent years, Cosby has been criticized by some for being tough on the black community over issues like education and parenting. He said he's just trying to move people forward. There's too many voices telling them that they can't do things, and I'm saying they can't. He's trying to encourage black people to become better people. To help them throw off these accusations that they can't pull themselves up. You know, the thing about Bill Cosby is he's got such a uh, such a unique, identifiable delivery that sometimes when you first hear a Bill Cosby sound about you can't tell if it's him or if it's like Eddie Murphy doing an impersonation of him. Because oh, he's true. got that thing where he drags out the words eat the pudding. And it's just and you can't you can't quite tell what's happening. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Gumby. What? Gumby. Is this the extent of your call, sir? Yes, sir. You're just calling to say the word Gumby. Is this because you want to win a copy of Gumby the movie? But of course. Yeah. All right. Hold on a second. Don't just stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Uh, let me, uh, we can just... Uh, here. Richie. Oh, no. Richie, can you join uh... it? Can you join us in the studio, please? <laughs> Hello, Richie. How are you? I Richie. love that sounder. So Richie's wearing his um, camera hat. Is today. the red light on? Uh, no, no, it's not. No, no, no. Let's let's leave. Let's not, Richie. Uh, Richie. All right. Is I think now? it's I think it's polite of you to ask if people want to be filmed. Hi. How you doing? Well, let's vote at the end whether we want this posted or not. So, no. so Rich, Richie's wearing a hat with a... How long did it take you to make this camera hat? I don't know. Like, a few hours. <laughs> is, there, is, there a, is there a blueprint for that? That is so great. I Can mean, I see the hat? Yeah, sure. It's the Catman hat. I wish there was a way that we could film the hat itself. The irony is that we can't film the hat. In a mirror? In a mirror. So... Oh, yeah. Go to a mirror, Rick. So this is... Would you a, like to borrow I one? I don't think we have a mirror. I have one. What about the window? So this is um, so this is just a, a baseball cap to which this is actually pretty great, I have to say, to which you have affixed. We have to get this sponsored. It's a bigger one, but it's kind of broken. All right. So, uh, I, mean, I think that would work. We can, yeah, let me uh, hand this over. <laughs> All right, hold on. So Richie has a baseball cap to which he has affixed a camera. Uh, let's see if we can. <laughs> All right. Can you see it? This is really fun. I mean, I'm just trying to get it for the audience so they can sort of appreciate it. Well, I can right. go take it to the bathroom with me next to my girl. Please don't take it to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I just won't I'm sorry. I'm dropping your makeup here. Um, so, uh, all right. So when, when did you have the idea to create this hat? Uh, last night I was looking online for different things, and I heard this story about the guy that was going like 106 miles an hour down the I-5. Oh, yeah, and yeah, with me, the camera. It gave me an idea. All right. So <laughs> so now you can film. Every, so we could actually do like a day in the life of Richie Bristol, where you just sort of, um, you know, 
where you just sort of try, everybody can see what you see, do what you do, virtually <laughs> speaking. Uh, what? Why is this guy? What is the deal with the Gumby collar? Oh, I was. You said pick somebody that's random color to win the Gumby. And yeah, today my, one random call. My thing was the first person that says Gumby. Now, did he know there. that? Yeah. Well, do you see how that doesn't really work? Well, there was a guy in front of him, Chuck. Wait, so did you tell the caller, though, that to say Gumby on the air that I he said, would well, win? I think Chuck's going to win, but if, if Chuck drops down, then you could win. But I don't even know. Okay. I'll How just, do people win if it's random? Like, uh, and, and if you're telling them, all right, you know what? I'll just let you deal with it. I'm going to let you sort with the fallout. So, <laughs> He's all right. Gumby first. So sorry, uh, sorry, whoever this uh, this guy is, uh, so this guy Jim, so he said Gumby on the air, so I guess he wins the uh, so he wins the Gumby DVD. Yeah. Um, what else did, oh, and oh, so... it's so easy to win here. It really... <laughs> it's the station that makes it easy to win, Tim. So, we don't have time to talk about this now, Richie. Uh, yeah. We'll have to do it later. But, uh, I think we can talk about this, can we not? Yeah. That you are going to be a spokesperson for and customer of South Sea Connections? Yes. Uh, home of, of, uh, attractive, beautiful Asian ladies? Yes. All right. Now, you have already, have you gone to the seminar yet, or did you just sign up? I signed up, did the paperwork, sent in my my pictures, and I guess I got 37 responses already. 37? Please 37. tell me. 37. Please tell me it was a picture from last week. No. I am a pus-filled American. I would love to meet you. <laughs> what was your what picture did you submit, Richard? Uh, the one with me hiding half my face with a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's always Hi. a good way to start. I, hello, I I am the Hi. Phantom of the Opera. Would you like to meet me? <laughs> and I'm high contrast. You can only see one of my eyes. <laughs> hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, will you please send us the picture that you used? Are you like three? Will you, but you just send us one so we can post it. Pick pick the one where you where you're hiding half your face. <laughs> okay. Send that to us so we I'm can sure. post it. Yeah, I okay. have it. So this so you and you now have how many women waiting to speak to you? Thirty seven. And so tonight I'm going to go talk to Stu some more, and we're going to meet up, and hmm. he's going to do the program with me. What's uh, doing the program? And so uh, I guess we'll find out. But so you've signed up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, so they. Oh, are please tell me you did what you put up one of these thug life pictures. <laughs> oh, I think I did the are, one with the leather. Are you throwing? Yeah. A, are you throwing a sign? Are you yeah. holding it down for the west side? Okay. Like Just, an angry you know the Asian. wreath in the background. An angry Asian. An angry pumpkin? Asian men are yeah, waiting to meet you. The wreath and the pumpkin are pretty scary. Can I see this? Yes. Okay. There we go. Uh, we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like life with a little I, pumpkin. I was just going to say, speaking of hard knock life, in need of love. Um, <laughs> I need love, girl. All right. Uh, so, one, so one of our proud sponsors, South Sea Connections, you will be a, a spokesperson for them and using their services. Really? Uh-huh. You're wearing like a Nanook of the North. You can't even see your face, Richie. That's the point. <laughs> Why don't Please you... tell me that you put in that you're like an oil tycoon. <laughs> Why don't you no. just find a service for blind girls? They don't... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> as I was exploring Antarctica. <laughs> as, as, as Edward Shackleton and I uh, were trudging through the Arctic. All right. Uh, well, we'll talk later on in the show about it. Okay. So, uh, all right. I dig your camera phone. All right. It's on. Is it red? No. No. Oh, man. All right. All right, bye now. Okay, bye. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. In other Asian news, martial arts masters Jackie Chan and Jet Li have kicked their way to the top of the box office. Their new movie, The Forbidden Kingdom, made nearly $21 million in its debut to be America's new number one movie. I thought Jackie Chan retired, or Jet Li retired, or one of them. I'm not sure. No, one of the real, I thought one of the martial arts guys said, no, 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 I'm done, it's my last film. Well, maybe I don't not. think it was Jackie Chan. Clearly, I guess nobody or Jet ever. Lee. Nobody Perhaps ever. Janet Lee. Nobody ever read Janet Lee. Janet Lee's permanently retired, Tim. She does all her own stunts now, though. 
Roger Romantic Comedy for getting Sarah Marshall open second place with $17 million in ticket sales. That surprises me. I thought it would open at number one. I am a little, I'm a little shocked by that, actually. Last week's number one porn night sank to third place with barely $9 million. Oh, prom night. Prom night. Al Pacino's 88 mil- Minutes uh, oh, debuted in fourth place. I heard that is so $7 million. bad. I heard that it's unrelentingly bad. So bad that I almost want to watch it. Uh, the review, I, I, I mean, I, the, the review, sort of, I read an aggregator like on Rotten Tomatoes where they were putting the, like 4% or something. They said it's just one of the worst movies ever made. So I kind of want to go see it just for that. Nim's Island was number five. It made $5.7 million. You know what bombed? Uh, it was that Morgan Spurlock thing, uh, which came out this last weekend, which I guess no one anywhere went to see. What was the name of it? Where in the World is Osama Bin Laden? It's like one of those movies. And nobody cares. No, it's not. It's one of those like made for the Air America audience movies, and so like those are the only people that go to see it. So it just did terribly. It just did eh, awfully. I oh, wasn't that the guy that ate all the hamburgers and got fat. Yeah, which has unfortunately kind of become like his one thing. I because he did that thirty day show, which was moderately interesting, but uh, it just uh, unlike uh, Michael Moore, whose films got progressively better. Uh, Morgan Spurlock kind of had that one thing right out of the gate, which is like the one great idea, uh, and he just uh, he hadn't really been able to to top that. He hadn't really the supersize me was so good and such an immediate hook that he hadn't really been able to, uh, to to live up to that since then. So what can you do? Well, here's a new uh, incentive for kids to visit the ocean. Here, uh, the program is called Exploragon. It's uh, for kids intended to help kids learn about sea life, tide pools, and go whale hunting and more. Go whale hunting? Yeah. Oh, we're watching. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody get a spear. <laughs> well, the initiative comes... club seals. After a recent survey showed three out of five kids have never visited the Pacific Ocean. And in the age of TV, the Internet, and video games, children are losing touch with the nature and the ocean. Here in Oregon, it's time to unplug and interact with the natural wonders like the Pacific Ocean. A national contest invites kids ages 6 to 14 to enter for a chance to win a trip to explore the Pacific Ocean. Go to TravelOregon.com to find out more if you want to visit the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, off to Michigan we go, where an, an arbor man says a woman robbed him of cash. Yes, the man invited the woman who he met at a bus stop to his apartment. He was robbed at night point. Uh, apparently, uh, the woman that, and he met the previous day at a bus stop, so he invited her over. During the first day of conversation, the man said the woman claimed to be homeless and asked if she could stay with him. But he declined. They said and said they just exchanged phone numbers. Then at about 2 a.m., the woman called and said there was no room at the homeless shelter. Could she come over? Well, why not? After she arrived, she grabbed his wallet off her desk and, and said, rough sex. Whatever that meant. Uh, then he grabbed her around the way. Oh. <laughs> I love stories like this where you haven't pre-read. Yeah. Well, he apparently allegedly grabbed her around the waist from behind this homeless woman. She pushed off pulled out a three-inch knife with a jagged edge and threatened to cut him. I'm going to cut you. She took the cash from his wallet and ran away into a car that was waiting outside the apartment building. I don't understand anything in this story. Well, he met her at a bus stop. He said, should we get together? They exchanged phone numbers. But how was a car waiting for her outside? I guess she intended to rob this fellow, allegedly. So she's just picking up guys at the bus stop? Yes. Okay. As desperate people will do. All right, then. Fair enough. Uh, and the man reportedly uh, gripped a Canton woman in a downtown Ann Arbor bar and was beaten by the woman's boyfriend and one of her friends after that. <laughs> He's having a bad, a uh, bad streak. Officers responded to the fight call outside the blind pig <laughs> and, and found the man bleeding from the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's go pick up some ladies at the Bland Pig. He said he was inside the bar when he was accused of a stranger by touching his girlfriend's buttocks. <laughs> the man then punched him. He left the bar and was approached again by the boyfriend outside the Blind Pig and was struck again. <laughs> and he was also kicked while he was lying on the ground. He was treated to an inch long a laceration to his head. Well done. So I guess it's back to the bus stop. Maybe that's why he chose the bus stop. He didn't have any luck at the Blind Pig. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Let's do one more, then we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. More from Tim Riley at the bottom. We've got uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian coming up. Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Uh, the top five. Oh, we'll settle this John Williams business once for all, too. Here's uh, one more with Tim Riley. Now, Madonna has some YouTube boards of encouragement for teen sensation Miley Cyrus and others. Cyrus recently posted a new statement on her Miley and Mandy show, featuring the singer and her friend Mandy Jarreau, on the video filing uh, website YouTube that all the kids go to. This clip features Miley performing a dance video set to the tune of Madonna's new single, Four Minutes. The video may have triggered a reaction from Madonna, who posted a YouTube video message of her own. So all you people out there who are making videos to my single, um, Four Minutes, keep up the good work. Nice job. Nice one. Okay? Maybe that was for her. Thanks, Madonna. She continues to promote her upcoming album, Hard Candy, Half of which was leaked to the YouTube over the weekend. And, you know, as somebody else uh, pointed this out, and it was on Drudge or something, they were talking about how that, I mean, I'm sure it's a fine song and all, but how that song is apparently number one everywhere, but I couldn't sing any of that new song if you put a gun to my head. I, don't, I, I have no idea how the new Madonna single goes. But apparently it's number one. So, I mean, maybe that's legitimate, maybe it's not. I don't know. All right, let us take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley returns at the bottom of the hour. Uh, coming up later on in the day, uh, Richie Bristol's top five songs to which he would strip. Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow, Charlie Murphy. Friday, Jonathan Colton uh, in studio. So stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. And I can't be late because then I guess I just won't get paid. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later, we'll talk to uh, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. All right, just so we can get it out of the way. Here's one of here's the second of the three observations that I had this weekend. Uh, the first one was perhaps the uh, ill-advised bit of humor. Second one, who knows what a mugwump is? M-U-G-W-U-M-P. Mugwump. And if you don't know what it is, what do you think it is? What does it sound Something like? Something from Harry Potter? There are no wrong answers here. Something, Something from Harry from Potter? Something from Gremlins. Something from Gremlins. Now, you're thinking of a mogwai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that sound was... Yeah! <laughs> it's horrible when you think you're right and it turns out to be wrong. Isn't it? That was made. It was so confident. It was so worth it for you. Yeah! It sounded like an old person touching a stove by mistake. Um, so... I don't even know in what context uh, this happened, but my wife and I were sitting around the house doing. We were doing something on Saturday, or jokes. I guess it must have been Friday because I sent this to myself. But this is what I use technology for. Other people use their BlackBerry to like schedule appointments or to stay up to speed with world events. I use it to to jot down stupid things that happen to me so that I can mention it later. This is at ten thirteen on Friday, so I guess it must have happened shortly before that. Or my wife at one point said, "Quit being such a mugwump," and I kind of and we and it was that thing where I. 
as soon as she said that, I realized that not only A, I didn't know what it meant, and I knew in my heart with absolute certainty she didn't know what it meant. And I stopped and I said, what does that mean? And she, she said, I don't know. And we both kind of looked at each other for a second. And then this is how we occupy ourselves as a couple. This is why we get along so well, because we both find things like this interesting. So then we sat there for about two minutes in the middle of the living room, sort of brainstorming what we thought a mugwump was. Uh, here's, these are not my guesses, by the way. This is my wife. I, I wrote this down. My wife said this is her speculation as to what a mugwump was. She said, is it an Indian or a small kind of animal? And then I wrote it down. For the record, it is neither of those things. Anybody is else? it? you have a guess? Some kind of plant? See? Doesn't it sound... A mugwump sounds like a thing that's not real. It does sound like some sort of fantastical, uh, sort of fantasy-based creature, spell, place, wizard, dragon, something around. There's bug juice in the mugwumps, appearing in some bar in New York. Is it a band? Yeah. Okay, the mugwumps. It does, I almost don't want to reveal the definition. They were also Republican political activists. That's it. From they, 1884. Who supported Grover Cleveland. Yes. That's, I know that. Because we looked it up because on Friday. <laughs> no, Tim, because I'm just that smart. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know who Steve Novick was, and he's running for Senator of Oregon. We didn't know until last week. <laughs> I, uh, no, because we went to, uh, we went to the... To the so inter- you see Steve Novick posters everywhere I now? I do. Now that we've talked about it, I see those things. Papering I, my neighborhood. They're in every yard. I was on 39th the other day, and I saw a sign like the size of a billboard in some guy's front yard. Uh, oh, as as... Well, let me finish this. So we went and we looked up Mugwump on the on the Intertron, and it was, yeah, blah, 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 Republicans who supported Grover Cleveland, who was a Democrat, which is, A, I never in a billion years would have guessed that. And it also doesn't sound right. Like it, like a Mugwump does sound like it ought to be something more interesting. So in any event, so there's that. Back on the Steve Novick thing, we talked about him last week because he has the whole thing with the hook, and that was supposed to be a hook sound. And, um... As predicted, his people did, Im- like, I, before we were even off the air, we talked about him at, like, 1 p.m. At, like, 1.14, there were a bunch of emails about, we are from the Steve Novak campaign, we'd love to have him come in and talk to you. So, anyway, that's not going to happen, but uh, but they did, they have ears everywhere. All right, here's Tim Riley. You never know who's listening now, do you? No, we don't. Oh, by the way, at the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A TriMet bus was involved in a chain reaction crash this morning along southeast McAdam. Nobody was seriously injured. One person was taken to the hospital as a precaution. The bus was at a stop at 5500 Southwest McAdam around 9 a.m. when a vehicle rear-ended it. Then somebody else hit the back of that. In all, two vehicles and one bus were involved. Uh, after spending uh, weeks giving away money for Oprah Winfrey, one lucky person is now at the receiving end. The Queen of Talk wrapped up her uh, reality show, Oprah's Big Give, last night on ABC, handing out a million dollars to the winner. Businessman Stephen Polita was awarded the prize, which sparked this response from Oprah Winfrey. Wait, who? Which one of those is? Which one of those sounds is Oprah? <laughs> it's a piccolo piece. Okay. And for some reason, Jennifer Aniston was there. <laughs> I got a butt. I got yeah. a butt. What is that? I yeah. think I might. Can I do? Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. 
That just felt too good. Yeah. So I would actually, personally, like I, I'd like to triple it. So we're... <laughs> Can you tell me what that cut called? <laughs> that big give winner dot wave. Big give winner dot wave. All right, I'm going to find out. It's like she's been set on fire. All right. Big give winner. That's good breath control. Jesus. All right. I, uh, I'm going to find that. We're going to set that one aside. All right. Let's see. Big give winner dot wave. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Tim Riley. You're welcome. All right. So uh, everybody's talking about this uh, green thing, and we'll put it to rest probably tomorrow. I guess it's Save the Earth or something or other. Oh, that's right. Today's Earth Day. Today is Earth Day. Oh, I thought green. Saturday was Earth Day. No, Saturday was... Uh, that's that... Mars Day. <laughs> Mercury Day. Uh, the uh, No, no, no. Saturday was what's it? Uh, the the Stoner Day. The the thing. Stoner Day. Isn't Saturday? Wasn't Saturday 420? Or what? When was Sunday was. Yesterday was 420. So Saturday was nothing. Yeah. So Saturday was a, Saturday was a whole lot. Saturday was a, was a whole lot of uh, was a whole lot of nothing. As well. All right. So today is the day to give something back to the earth. Uh, try not to drive if you possibly can. Too late. And uh, Amy Grant said she and her family made a big change by turning off the television set in her kitchen. If my seven-year-old had on a kids show or my older kids were watching a reality show, nobody talked. And now, of course, everybody's drawn to something that smells good, and so they come in, hey, what are you cooking? Or, yes, hey, they are, Amy Grant. <laughs> Why? Why are they? <laughs> that belongs in our digital channel. Oh, no, yeah, I've got it. That never needs to go away ever. Our HD stream. We should actually set up a fake HD stream that is just nothing but all of our off-putting sound effects. Just back to just... There's nothing but that well, over and those over. channels like dumping grounds for things people really don't want anyway. Yes. Morocco, mama! <laughs> um. Yes? Yes, Steve. Sarah? I just want to be distanced from this, that I'm not playing anything. It's you two right now. No, no, that's fine. No, it's, it's okay. This is what technology is for. So. All right. Get your HD radio today. <laughs> you hear this in crystal... Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Three radio stations. <laughs> Hidden radio. The best... I. According to the according to the 970.am webpage, KNRK has a fantastic HD stream that I could be listening to right now. Wow, that's great. That's great that uh, I'm too busy. All right, here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, the the mugwump is actually a bird. It sits on a fence, and the mug is on one side, the the uh, wamp is on the other. So they use the term for the indecided, the people that are on the fence. Are you making this up? No, I am not. I got it from my dad, who knows just a little bit about everything. What are the odds that your dad is making this up? Um, probably slim to none. Well, let's check right now, shall we? <laughs> okay. Let's he puts let... our ass as a trivial pursuit every time. Let's uh, let's let the internet tell us if your father was correct. If a mugwump is quote some kind of bird, let's see here. Um, this doesn't mugwump seem like a thing that would be on Jeopardy. That's one of those, yeah. and then and then yes, like, it does. and then Alex Trebek would uh, all smugly at the end pretend, pretend that he sort of knew it all along. Um, yes, I can't. Uh, the internet doesn't want to load today. They don't want us to know the. What can I fill time with? <laughs> uh, 
It's like she's being thrown down a mine shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that from? I'm going to throw it into space. What? Where is that from? I missed the whole conversation. That's, uh, it's, it's, from, it's from the Oprah show, sir. Oh, God. Wait. Let's see here. Mugwump. Uh, okay, I'm looking. Would you like to know all of the different uh, mugwumps? Sure, why not? Mugwump can refer to a group of Republican activists, which is how we were using it, mm -hmm. a group of pacifists led by Jeffrey Garrett, uh, a fictional creature in the, in the book Naked Lunch by overrated author William Burroughs, uh, an early computer game in the basic language, uh, the last song on Terror Vision's 1996 album Regular Urban Survivors, um, or a 1960s rock band, or a fictional rank-slash-title in the Harry Potter books, where Albus Dumbledore is described as Supreme Mugwump of International Confederations of Women. I remember that. There is no bird called uh, a mugwumpster. Your father was pulling your There is no bird called the mugwump. He was fabricating that. No, Every... it's, a, it's a joke bird, he just said. Your whole childhood was a lie, sir. <laughs> well, was that, that was weird. Did you just start playing that at the same time? We think with one mind, Tim Riley. Thank it's you, scary. sir. All right, bye now. All right. Are we going to bring that to the listener party? Yes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Rick Emerson. Yes. Please to be never, ever, ever playing that awful sound again. Damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. There was a little noise in the foreground. What were you saying? A little noise. What, was, you, what, was, your, what was your request? Uh, please to be never, ever. <laughs> you bastard. Try it one more time. Hey, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, I would greatly appreciate it if um, you could uh, refrain from um, playing that terrible noise ever, ever, ever again. Why do you ask when you know that's not going to happen? And when you know that it's going to pr provoke the opposite reaction. <laughs> I mean, come reaction. on, you're just putting, making an awkward situation. You know that there's, that's going to be here forever. You know, I mean, every time you request this, an angel loses its wings, and also we add one more uh, play to the playlist, sir. Sarah, have you no control over there, man? Make him stop. I'm still at the point where it's funny, but when it gets to the point of annoying, I'll definitely take it away. But see, the thing is, sir, then it'll become funny once There'll more. There'll be a new one tomorrow. Dogs all over Portland are howling at this moment. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye. That's the new Wilhelm, by the way. We gotta. Uh, we gotta get that into anything that we possibly can. Somebody has to merge that into. Somebody has to. The Wilhelm was in the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation. Did you hear that? Uh, on Friday, uh, when uh, one of the Nazis is thrown off the truck with the Ark. Yes, sir. You, right there is the the Wilhelm. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. Mugwump. Mugwump. You beat me to the chase there. Um, William S. Burroughs' Naked Lunch. They were a humanoid creature that. Uh, spewed out three types of intoxicating fluids from tentacles on their head. Of course they were. <laughs> and also, what a fool I've, I've been. Used, <laughs> I've heard it used as an adjective when people are talking around something. They say, stop this mugwumpery. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Also, also, the squirrels last week. Um, what? When, when Annie took home the squirrels. Yeah. Um, I work for a pest control company, and I just want, you should let her know that that's illegal to uh, take uh, wildlife home. Uh, okay, we'll pass that along. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. That's right. Remember the deer? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about it again then. Uh, Eddie Izzard is uh, considering a career in politics. He plays Wayne Murrow on FX's The Riches. 
yes, we're going to make it work in uh, Europe, says the cross-dressing comedian. Uh, people are very worried about sovereignty and the loss of sovereignty. I think that uh, the stakes are, if we don't make the European Union work, then the world is screwed. End of story. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of that one, then. Okay. An Italian man has been given a suspended jail sentence for staring too intently at a woman sitting in front of him on a train. The judge sentenced the man, who's in his 30s and whose name was not revealed, to 10 days in prison and 40 euros after a 55-year-old man filed a complaint for sexual harassment. The two met on two separate occasions in 2005 on a commuter train going to Loco, a train in northern Italy. The first time, the man sat next to the woman, but she uh, felt he moved too close for comfort. The next day, the man sat in front of the same woman and, according to her complaint, stared at her the, the whole journey, which took about an hour. And now somebody is claiming that Earth Day is tomorrow. I think they're wrong. This guy says Earth Day is tomorrow. Get, why is it that is it people who seem like they themselves are not too clear on the facts are always the ones who are the most aggressive about it? <laughs> says Earth Day is tomorrow. Get your goddamn facts correct. I don't think that. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's. I right. think today is Earth Day because I prepared this. I, I prepared this dumb song to play. Uh, remember at the beginning of today's program, you had your choice of a speech, uh, the Barack Obama thing, something sad, which is what we played the Tazon Day thing. Um, or Air America style. And I had prepared the Air America style because it's a dumb Earth Day thing. Uh, and I, had pre I prepared this whole pseudo Randy Rhodes, uh, like speech to play over the top of it, which I kind of now, which I've now forgotten. This guy says, Hey, I'm listening to your show on headphones. Thank you for listening. Oh, guess sir. what? What? <laughs> Earth Day is tomorrow. Yeah, but that's not true. That's what it says here. I thought Earth Day is Earth April Day 21st. Is April 22nd. Call okay. your senator or representative. Ask them to enact tough and okay. fair climate legislation. He, okay, that's wrong, though, because if you, I say with no factual basis. <laughs> All right, it's wrong. It is today. <laughs> if, you go to, if you go to Google, I just, here's how I learn everything. If Earth Day is 11 hours. Whatever they've changed the Google yeah, logo. Yeah, you go to Google, and I see whatever the Google logo All has right, I'm become. Going to Google. It's not anything. No, the Google logo is in, it's a recycle thing. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I'm refreshing. It says Earth Day begins in 11 hours. Okay, it's gone now. It's gone now, but I swear to you. Are you sure about I, that? Okay, earlier. Were they like two little glows? Yeah, no, no, no. It was two, um, you know, that triangle with arrows that's the recycle logo? Mm -hmm. It The O's were two recycling triangles that were animated, and the arrows were going in a circle. Here's another one. Earth I'm not Day. crazy. Earth Day, April 22nd. Celebrate Earth Day. Earth Why Day, would the April Google 22nd. logo have been... Plant a billion trees. Because maybe they made a mistake. I swear to God, the Google logo was a recycling thing this morning. Maybe. Somebody we'll else saw that. We'll, there, we'll... there could be one person working at Google and put it up wrongly. That's what I'm saying. If tomorrow's logo is recycling, that means that you were right. All okay. it takes is one person to make a mistake. Would you like? And then, we, like can, we've done and then we can distribute it into the into the atmosphere immediately. Would you like? So, to... But I will say, <laughs> the first Earth Day was celebrated on March 21st, 1970. So they just moved it to a different day. So but this they, is really the the 28th or 38th anniversary right now. So it Correct. was on they the 21st, moved, but they, they moved Earth Day. They moved the it from the 21st to the Don't 22nd. Ask me why. I feel like had a, a three day weekend. Yeah, we should be celebrating it today. I feel. Can I just want to say this? I, what is it we're supposed to do on Earth Day? Oh, uh, go to the dump and pick up some furniture and uh, <laughs> go green. Go to the dump. Done. Um, I'm serious. All, all these uh, home shows. 
They go to the dump and pick things up, and they think they're doing something good okay. for the environment. The, the Google logo thing is not freaking me out now, because I know I didn't... something ugly. I know I didn't hallucinate it, well, so... Google's only... I mean, well, the people are running it are only human. I bet somebody made a mistake. Right. It, it, it could have been the, the Google operator's first day on Isn't the board. It's strangely comforting to think that Google might have made a mistake? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you think of Google as this all-powerful, all-seeing, technological eye... It's like some sort of... Um, it could be some, some child who's a freshman in college who, who her first day of internship. It's like some binary eye of Sauron. Right. Uh, here he gave her the, the Chase calendar book and told her to go through it. Would you like to know why I thought it was today? Because the first Earth Day celebration was held on March 24th, well, in San Francisco. That's actually... It's San Francisco values. Mm-hmm. That's not why I thought. Because, as I said, I prepared this whole stupid uh, Randy Rhodes-style opening for the program. Because she has... She says the worst bumper music. She has, and she sings, she sings along with it. That day after they fired her, or after she got booted or whatever, the day that, um, the, on that Monday after she got fired. She must have been singing along by herself. I wanted, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to, um, I wanted to see, like, what her deal was going to be. By the way, let me just say, I don't know for a fact that this was happening, but when I listened, um, to Randy Rhodes that day, um, she took a call from a guy who I swear to Christ was um, pleasuring himself to the sound of her voice, which is, like, so implausible on, like, hundreds of levels. It's like pleasuring yourself to the thought of a cheese grater. You know what I mean? Somebody in Brooklyn appreciates that tone of voice. So anyway, and it was just, and he was just, and he was doing a lot of. Oh, please don't ever, ever, ever mock her voice again, ever. He was doing, he was doing a lot of, like, so anyway, Randy, I just, uh, you know, and it was, and I was, like, sort of, like, scrubbing myself. Um, But she, I'd rather listen to that. But she but she sings along with a lot of this like bad hippie like it's a lot of Crosby Stills and Nash. Oh yeah. And then and she goes, Well that says it all, doesn't it? I mean that just really I don't know, polluting the environment, polar bears are drowning. Anyway, so this is what I had prepared to start today's program if we were gonna do it Air America style. You remember the song, Tim? Going all the way back to 1993 for this one. They changed it. They, so the guy, this was a drama-rama song. They did that Anything Anything uh-huh. song that Storm sang. And they say, it's, this is of course where I get all my knowledge is from rock and roll musicians. They say uh, it's April 21st and everybody knows today is Earth Day. That time was wasted. Maybe it's just because April 22nd didn't fit the meter. You know, I used to like this song, and I listen to it now, and it's just terrible. It's kind of whiny. It is. It's, you kind of want to punch him and then go set fire to something. Because he refers to the earth as her at one point, which just curls my skin. And it's just more like bad Beatles ripoff. So anyway, and That's so I have to get you into Earth Day, I guess, yeah. which is April 21st, according to Drama Rama guy. Before they change it, let's all give it up to Drama Rama for having a fantastic name, though. That mm-hmm. is really, really a well, great. Well, Demi, that's where we got Obama Rama from. Oh, that is that's true. I'm sorry, that was supposed to be. It said it was. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Radio program, for which they pay us money. Hello. Hello? Hi. 
Hey, Rick. This is Bill, the science guy. How's it going? Oh, hello. Hi. How are you, sir? Good. It's been a long time, but what you were probably thinking of was Yahoo, not Google. Oh, is it, is it maybe Yahoo that was doing the logo? Yeah, if you go to Yahoo, the two O's are uh, a little risky. Oh, that, okay. there you go. Uh-huh, Sherrod I am. Google did not make a mistake. No, no, no. Well, see, but that, I was kind of I hoping that, that they had. Let me look here. Hold on. Uh, I got a plain see. old Yahoo. Me too. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I guess it was brought to somebody's attention to change it immediately. Right, let me look here. They might be listening. Going to Yahoo.com right now. Ah, but see, Yahoo... Yahoo.com has been changed back. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, because I saw it this morning on Yahoo. It definitely was Yahoo. All right. Well, okay, so so it was Yahoo, not Google, and it was a mistake, you claim, in any event. Well, who knows if, why they changed it, but maybe somebody, somebody else. All right. Was... See, somebody else just emailed me, Crystal, and we have to take a break. Uh, somebody says, Rick, according to my calendar on my desk right now, today is Earth Day. Huh? It's the old Earth Day. No one knows. No one knows when Earth Day is. No. It's a whale's vagina. All right. Thank you, sir. Later. Bye. We should take a break here. Uh, Tim, are you bidding us adieu? I am. All right. Little Timmy's coming in, isn't he? Oh, Tim Ryan. <laughs> Who wants to say hello to little Timmy? <laughs> yeah. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back after this with Roger Klein.
the Rick Emerson radio program. That song is called I Do, uh, for the new album by Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, Turbo Ocho, uh, which is, uh, I mean, we, I will have Roger on here in just a second to kind of tell the whole, uh, the whole story, but I think they approached it a little bit differently. If I, if I sort of am following the story right, I think the deal is they rented like a house slash studio and then they recorded or wrote and recorded one song every day for eight days, ten days, something like that. Uh, they are going to be at the Roseland uh, this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday at the Roseland right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. You can find out more at azpeacemakers.com. azpeacemakers.com. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show the one and only Roger Klein. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I am fantabulous, brother. How's life? How's, how are things? Excellent. I'm about to go. Let's see. I had an eight-day furlough from being on tour, and I'm back in Tempe, Arizona, until tomorrow morning. I'm at a Mexican food restaurant, having a margarita, and talking to you in Portland on the radio. Life is good. Can I just tell you this? That I I don't know to what extent any of this is true, but whenever I listen to your music, think about you guys. Uh, whenever I sort of picture you guys, it is always on a beach somewhere with like a margarita in one hand, and then one of those like. Like those bull, like those bandolier things, like around you, and then a guitar, just sort of standing there by the surf. That's that's pretty much it. That's good. <laughs> that's right. At least that's like what we're aiming for. That's our state of mind, irrespective of what we're actually wearing or where we are physically. That's metaphorically where we always are. And so, for people who maybe are late to the party, as I was, um, I had been familiar with the refreshments uh, when uh, Fizzy Fuzzy Big and Buzzy uh, it came out, and I had heard it, and then. I had sort of gotten to a different place in my life, and I, I, there was a while where I just sort of wasn't following what happened with the band. And the next thing I knew, I was in Portland, Oregon, and I was talking to one of our promotions directors here. And I heard him having a conversation with somebody. It's like, oh, I'm going to go see the best show tonight. I'm going to go see Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And I said, Roger Klein, that sounds really familiar. Is that the refreshments guy? And he said, oh, my God, you've got to go. And he uh, you know, gave me a pair of tickets, God bless him, and my wife and I went and at the risk of sounding really uh, corny or cheesy when I say this, it was it was as though I can't really remember a time now when I wasn't into your music or when we didn't go to see you guys. It, it seems like something that was has has always sort of been with us at this point. Well, thank you. That's that's great. I, that's what we endeavor to do. We want to be. It's truly an honor as an artist to become a part of people's lives because you know our audience. We can't do this without an audience, and. That's what we endeavor to do is to become, you know, part of the community, irrespective of where our home base is. This is what we are as human beings. We want to we want to be part of the same heart. The great thing about uh, going to see, uh, we'll talk about the live show in a second, but listening to your music, listening to the records when they come out, is every time you sing a song, to me, it sounds like, they all sound like real stories. Uh, whether they are or not, they all sound as though they are drawn from life, from a real incident. I mean, do you sort of collect stories, or does it just all come out of your imagination? I mean, from from where do these songs come? It's really both. You know, the story songs, um, you know, they they probably are. They're not necessarily just the life I've lived, but the people I've known. A lot of the characters around my imagination are people that I've known in the past, whether it be, you know, some crazy outlaw rogue that I knew as a kid who helped us brand cattle on a ranch in southeast Arizona, or whether it's something that I actually did after I robbed that Circle K on the border in Nogales, you know. <laughs> I might be confessing to something in song that I'm not really going to confess to otherwise. So, you know, they're all they're all based in reality. They all should have a human baseline element. They should all speak to, I think, at least the potential within us, you know. And they should all be fun, and they should all be 
entertaining, and they should also be nourishing in some way, liberating. And that sounds like a lot for any given song in rock and roll or any given career, but why not? Why not shoot big? Let's shoot for the for La Luna. Let's shoot for the moon. And so when you guys were talking to Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, the new album, Turbo Ocho, so you, have I got the story right that you did, it was a song a day for eight days or something like that? Claro que sí. Yeah, that's what we. That's what was our endeavor. D this year, I heard. As, I heard you segue as I, as I was coming on. I didn't want to interrupt. But yes, this is our tenth year as a rock and roll band, and actually an independent rock and roll band. That means Ma and Pa operated. That means uh, we can't do it without the audience. That means we don't have sponsorships. That means that that big ugly bus is our baby. <laughs> In any case, what we did is we wanted to shake it up. See what happens when RCPM gets together in a good comfortable home element and creates a spontaneous expression of rock and roll. Nothing preconceived, no mission statement. Let's get together. Where should it be? We chose uh, a house on the coast of Mexico, and it, it wasn't actually set up as a studio. We've collected enough accoutrement over the years that we just brought it along. We brought along a coach, a producer named Cliff Norell, who would help us keep from fighting and play for the song. He did a great job. And we, we essentially got together every morning at 10 o'clock for burritos, talked about subject matter, riffs, etc., till 11 o'clock and started work at 11 a.m. until we were done with a song a day from, you know, inspiration through final mix. And then at the end of the night, and it was usually actually early in the morning, we usually didn't finish up till about 4, 4 sometimes 5 in the morning, we would post the mix on our website and also... Uh, a good friend of ours and crew member Jason Boots would do a video of it and post that the next day of of the video happenings of the day. We called that thing the Viva Cast, and we we offer now that uh, that whole experience of what we did and put on the website um, on CD and DVD format, and we call it Turbo Ocho. I saw that there's the making of DVD with the CD, and I love. I know you guys did the same thing with Americano uh, a couple years back, which was which was great because when you love a song, some people like to sort of just hear the song fully formed, but I. I'm a big fan of sort of peeling it away and seeing where did it come from and how did it evolve. And uh, when you guys go out on stage and do your live thing, how much of that, how much does that set list vary from night to night? Because the show just feels so uh, organic. It just feels like you're out there just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, like in the best way possible. We are. I really appreciate that. I make I make a flight plan or a set list every night, but I make it it's different every night. I've never played. At least, you know, consciously, there may have been accidents, but I never play the same set list every night. What we do is we come up with a flight plan, and we do, we have pretty long sets. I don't think we play ever under a half hour, and, and rarely under two. Um, we come up with a set list, and we all look at it, and we agree that that's what we'll do, but we all know it's just a rough sketch, and we'll take requests, or, you know, develop our spontaneity or telepathy on stage, like, wow, Switchblade should happen after this song. And somebody will call an audible, which means they'll yell it out, like, well, it might be Steve Larson, let's do Switch here, and, and we'll just do it. Or maybe somebody will yell from the audience, play Sucker Punch, and if we all look at each other and shrug our shoulders and there's no reason why not, we do it. And that way, each show becomes, it, it's induplicable, it's, it's, it's unique, and that's what they should be. It, it shouldn't be something you can open from a can and rock and roll should always be vital and it should always be refreshing and that's what we aim for and so we create a new set list and, and the audience is always involved every single night it's interesting i you know we all know how i won't say difficult but how it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes when you're hearing a song live that you don't know because you know maybe depending on the sound or, or the, whatever sometimes you, you sort of wonder like well am i maybe not getting the full impact of the song hearing it live for the first time but you mentioned switchblade I didn't know the song Switchblade, but I went to see you on the Americano tour, and just from just the opening sort of strummed chords of that, I mean, it sounds 
like a cliche, but I was just, it really was a transporting moment. It, it really was amazing. And you guys sell it by being, I think, absolute true believers in music. I mean, in the redemptive power of music of all kinds. I mean, it just, it just comes through. And so my, I wonder, how did that start for you? Like, where was the aha moment with record where, uh, you know, it, so it was a tape or a, or, or a record or whatever, where you heard it playing on the radio and you went, that's what I want to do? Wow, bless you, sir. I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I don't think it was a, a single... You know what? Actually, now that you say it, I remember when I was a kid, and I, I don't know how old I was. I was probably eight or nine, and I was listening to my clock radio up way past my bedtime. Um, there was a station in Arizona called KDKB, and they played David Bowie's Heroes, and I was, you know, had my ear against the, the three-inch speaker, and I remember being completely absorbed by that song it took me in it i it was amazing and i remember thinking wow how how did how do they do that and i've never been able to shake the fever since it's, it's a lucky disease to be infected with i'll tell you that we're talking to roger klein of roger klein and the peacemakers the new cd is turbo ocho the website is azpeacemakers.com uh, happening this Saturday uh, at the Roseland, and uh, just and I, I I will say this as we get ready to go. Um, I, I have that thing with with uh, you guys. It's sort of like a great book or a great movie where every time we go, there are people who maybe it's their first time going or they've they've just heard the music or they've heard somebody like me go, you gotta be there. And I envy people who see you for the first time because it is just such a revelation. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic, and it is everything that live music, and especially a live rock and roll show, should be. It is, uh... God bless you, you know, and I, you, I, I would, I would, I want to say thank you, but you should take the credit for turning people on, you know, like, I, I really appreciate, more than you know, the compliments that you've just levied upon me, because it will keep our edge sharp. I mean, we have to live up to that, day by day, night by night, set by set, and that's what makes this so fulfilling, is because, you know, hopefully today we were as best as we could be, but not as good as tomorrow. And that should translate for everybody in all aspects of life. This this journey is about self-improvement and about creating community, and I really appreciate that. Well, from somebody who loves music to somebody who makes it, uh, thank you. Uh, continued best of success. And uh, you guys are going to be at the Roseland this Saturday. The website is azpeacemakers.com. Uh, thank you, my friend. Superlative, and thank you very much. We'll see you there. Please come backstage. I want you to raid our beer cabinet. <laughs> Duly noted, my friend. Done. I'll see you there. Thank you, Roger. All right, there you go. Roger Klein of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Richie, you want to uh, grab uh, that call on the warm line and just sort of uh, make sure that everything is uh, is copacetic there? All right, cool. Thank you. All right. Wow, what a well-spoken, intelligent, uh, amazing person. I, I can't, I mean, I, and i got to be really careful when I talk about it because I can just gush and I know, gush I mean, that's what I'm gush. expecting for the next ten minutes. So I go. mean, it's, you know, people, I mean, they know it's like uh, youth and revolt. It's like whatever. And Richie, I swear to God, don't. <laughs> Richie, give me another beer. I, uh, <laughs> Richie. I can already call, I can see Richie calling dibs on it. Um, <laughs> the, um... It, but it's like it, it, Roger Klein is like uh, it's like giving people youth and revolt. Uh, it really is. Or uh, you know uh, Rushmore or the Iron Giant or whatever, where you're just you know you give it to them and you envy uh, the fact that they get to see it for the first time. And I know that producer Brian, who you worked with over at KNRK, he's huge for fresh. He's an, uh, yeah, he's another guy like that. And, oh, uh, and Roger Klein, yeah, Roger Klein in general. And I owe it. And I will give. He's not even here. To, he's not here to hear this anymore. But I'll give my props to a guy named Casey who worked in the promo department here. Uh, uh, the, had Becca's job at one point, uh, and then he left, and Becca Becca took over. But um, but uh, Casey was the guy who had the Roger Klein and the Peacemakers 
he had like a little thing hanging above his desk, and I walked in, and he was in the middle of a conversation about, yeah, I'm going to be there tonight to see Roger Klein, and I went, Roger Klein, that that name sounds familiar, and he said, yeah, that he's the guy who was in the refreshments, and now he's in this band, the Peacemakers, and I said, that sounds really cool, and he's like, you got to go, he's like, you have to be there. And he said, if you like the refreshments, then you will, you, 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 you must be there. You must be there. And so my wife and I went, and, and I know as corny as it sounds, it's the last thing I'll say about it. It, it was, I don't know, a hippie trivia. It was fate. But, I mean, it, was, but it, it, it is like a piece of the puzzle that was sort of waiting out there for me, even though I did not know it. So, uh, so it, it, does, it seems inconceivable to me now that, I, that there's a time when I wasn't a Roger Klein fan. So anyway, so God, God bless him. That guy is... He's he's just so great, and so uh, you really ought to go. So everybody, uh, if you are, have you have, you have free time Saturday night, you you really ought to be there. All right, um, it's two ten. I don't even know what to do here. This is an awkward bit of time. Well, I mean, we can always break early, considering we have you know we Peter, have Peter Carlin, Carlin and we have Timmy Ryan and, and to do news and uh, Richie's top five. We still have to. Yes, do. we kind of need all the time that we have. So if we uh, want to break early, that's all right. Good. Well, let me play a little something here into the break from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. This is off the Americano. Uh, uh, album, and uh, so, anyway, uh, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, little Roger Klein, back after this on the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. 
503-733-2970. Still to come, uh, Richie Bristol's top five. Top five songs to which he would strip were he a male exotic dancer. Uh, also the news with your friend Timmy Ryan. Uh, like is at three, Michael Maris show at seven. Ladies, don't I always set aside a uh, thing and then I forget to do it? Hold on a second. Yeah, you have an intro for him. I do. I just don't know where I put it. Hold on a second. Uh, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson program. Uh, Oregonian TV critic now on sabbatical to write a surefire bestseller about Sir Paul McCartney, Mr. Peter Carlin. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, man. How are you? Okay. How are you? I'm Dandy. How was London? How was England? It was fine, thank you. It was uh, okay. it was eight hours ahead of where we are now. So time-wise. now, uh, are we allowed to uh, to speak about in any way what you did there? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can. I don't. <laughs> this is the typical kind of spy stuff that I do. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of, of international uh, intrigue. Subversion. There's a lot of uh, you know. I killed a couple guys. A little wet work here and there. <laughs> some some black ops. Yeah, uh, some black ops. Wet I can't work. talk about the black ops because they're black. But um, you know, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of the a lot of the killing and stuff. I mean, that's just common knowledge. Are you perhaps on some kind of prescription medication at this I moment? I ought to be. I tell you that much because I woke up at three in the morning. I've been up since then. I had this. Uh, well, never mind. Because then that's going to be kind of thing where no, no, no. I slept badly too. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? We should have hung out. Not that. Not that interesting. Um. So well, you you sent me. We were talking uh, via email, and you sent me uh, an email that I think just said. I think it said, "I just walked the halls of the Abbey Road Studios." Wow. 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 Is that what I said? I think it was something like that. Uh, I got the I sense the it was a little bit of sleep deprivation and jet lag happening. But, I mean, so now, when you, uh, I don't really know what the physical layout of Abbey Road Studios is. Is that where the Let It Be thing, that wasn't there, though, right? The, the filming of that movie, Let It Be, that wasn't the Abbey Road Studios. No, um, no. They shot that at... Um, it's like a soundstage or something, right? Part of it, yeah, a lot of it was at this Twickenham soundstage. So I don't know what the Abbey Road Studios look like. Does it look like any other recording studio, or is it... I'm trying to picture it in my head so that I can be even more jealous. Okay, um, hang on just a second, though. I'm about to switch phones because I'm hearing an annoying buzz on the one that I'm on now. So can you wait for just... An annoying so buzz, already, yeah. Hang sure. on just one sec, okay? Okay, I'm back. Okay. Great. Um, the buzz is gone. Uh, it, it's it's weird. It's 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 this Georgian kind of uh, residence in this nice neighborhood in St. John's Wood, in London and um, Northwest London, I believe, NW1 and um, something like that, NW3. And you uh, it has a little sort of parking area in front, and you walk in and you uh, go up the steps, and uh, they've they've built onto it, obviously. But the weird thing about it, most recording studios that I've been in are pretty kind of intimate you know they're really small but these are like some kind of old-fashioned like symphonic studios so the studio that the beatles did most of the recording in which was studio two it the control room is like a good 15 feet like in the air like like on the second floor oh and it's where yes old george martin was looking down looking into the down on them and then you had to and you walk down the, the staircase down the side and it opens up into this big kind of cavernous 
uh, room. I think I've seen a little bit of that. I uh, was talking earlier for my birthday. My wife purchased for me that 11-hour Beatles an- that documentary. Oh, the anthology, yeah. Which I had rented multiple times, and which she finally just got tired of me spending money in rentals until she bought it for me. Yeah. And, and I think there is a shot from George Martin's like console room down to the studio, and I think it's at that section where he goes, where they're asking him about drug use, and he says, well, I think they hid it from me because they know I didn't approve. Well, <laughs> they were just, yeah, yeah. So, uh... Right. Well, they they would go behind the baffles. <laughs> That's <laughs> and so great. There's, there's like a storeroom on the, that in the back, or I don't know what kind of room it was. This weird kind of chamber, and you have to walk through it to get to the echo chamber, um, which is like this meat locker type of thing. But uh, and they may have gone back there because I think that's where they kept some of their amps and stuff. I love the idea that the, the, the most powerful musicians in the world are having to run and like hide out back to smoke a joint because they're afraid of what Uncle George will say. Well, they kind of did. That was just for like a little bit. They didn't really do a lot of drugs in the studio. Actually, they were pretty they were pretty disciplined about like not getting you know not dulling their senses uh, before they you know while they were working. Uh, but I think that actually began to. But I think they they sort of defined things differently. I thought maybe smoking pot what they thought was enhancing their senses, but they wouldn't drink or do stuff that they thought was dulling them before they went into work. So was that uh, was was the piano like a the famous Abbey Road piano or whatever there? They have a whole bunch of pianos there, and a lot of them are just like stand up pianos, you know, like uprights. So it's not like they have big uh, like massive full-on grand pianos there, at least not that I saw. There might have been one in Studio One, which is an even bigger version of Studio Two, where they actually have huge, like, full orchestras, or they did. Now now it seems like they do a lot of film work in there, so they have, uh, you know, a lot of the action seems to be, I mean, anyway, so they have screens everywhere. So Here's a question. So to what extent does do the Abbey Road Studios have... Uh, th- like a great distinctive sound. In other words, is it is it still there and and being used and, and famous or whatever because of the sound, or, or is it is it largely now just because the Beatles were there? Is there anything unique about it as a studio? Ooh, I don't know. Someone else will probably answer that question. I know they have a lot of uh, older type of equipment, you know, which they use, but you know, or or or, or new digital equipment that kind of. Um, emulates the sound that they used to get. And they have a lot of, like, the... They, they, they take very careful care of their old microphones. They have really old microphones, like the, the ones that they still... The originals from, like, the Beatles sessions. And right. Stuff. But it wasn't just the Beatles stuff that was recorded there. Dark Side of the Moon was recorded there, too. Um, and a lot of other... I mean, it's just... It's, I, I mean, I, I think probably a lot of it... I, I, would, I would bet that it just has to do with, what, you know, what stuff has been recorded there before. The, the Dark Side of the Moon, I mean, to sort of get off topic for a moment, that is one of, I, I, I have a lot of albums in my collection that I would give anything to go back and watch the recording of, not from like a fanboy sort of perspective, but just because I don't know how in the hell they did it. Huh. And Dark Side of the Moon is, is one of those things. I mean, Dark Side of the Moon is just, it is a, a stunning, even in a world of Pro Tools and a world of cut and paste and a world of, God, I was looking at, I don't know, I should send you this link. Um, there's some music software that there was a video kind of going around internally at CBS and it was called um, Melodyne is the name of the company. Mm. And they've just released this sort of Pro Tools type software. But it does the most amazing thing where 
uh, you can bring up, let's say, somebody strumming a guitar chord, and it lets you bring it up like Pro Tools as a sort of as a wave, as a, as a, as a graphic, uh, you know, image in front of you. But it does what was previously not really possible. It lets you take a strummed chord and separate it into its component notes and adjust the notes independent of the rest of the chord. And it just blows your mind. You're watching this just kind of going, like it feels like someone's taking your brain apart and putting it back together in a slightly different order. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the Dark Side of the Moon, even if it were made today with all that equipment, it's still a stunning record. I can't fathom how they made Dark Side of the Moon. What's 1971, 72, something like that? That one? Yeah. I just, it's just, I, yeah. I mean, obviously they did it. I just don't know how. Um, so, I mean, things like that are just, and of course the Beatles, you know, the same way with, uh, how much of the Beatles oeuvre was recorded at Abbey Road from, from like when to when? Oh, like virtually all of it. They, they, from around 67 on, they would occasionally flirt with other studios or like if they couldn't book time at Abbey Road or whatever. And then they did part of Let It Be. They, they had this idea they were going to build a studio at the basement of their Apple company, but that all went kind of sideways. Um. Yeah, I just I've got all these like Beatle questions fighting for fighting for space in my head. But um, anyway, so you are what is what is the target date of completion of your book? Do you know? Is there a sort of a sort of time at which you anticipate it being done? Well, I think I've got to finish writing it by the end of the year, or else I'm going to be in some deep deep trouble. Or else it'll it'll be a flogging for you. Is he? Oh my God! Right. Yeah, it'll be a bad. Um, are you headed back to England again? Is this was this the final trip? Are you going back again to, to to look at more stuff? Or oh, you know what? I think I'm done for now. Um, Barring some kind of major other sort of development or some sort of, you know, I, but, you know, but I, but I feel like, I mean, I've spent like a month there this winter and spring, so all together, so that kind of is about as much time as I can stand. Excellent. On the, uh, well, let's see, on the television tip, uh, I know that, uh, what, Lost has been gone for, what, five, how long has Lost been gone for, Sarah? Like four weeks, nine weeks? Yeah, it's been about five. Five weeks, maybe. Five weeks, yeah. Yeah, so it's coming back this uh, this Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. And are they gonna are they gonna do that thing that Battlestar Galactica is doing, where they're splitting this season yet again, or when they come back, are they gonna keep it up and finish up a season like on a streak? I believe they're gonna finish it on a streak, um, but they're doing some kind of crazy like three hour finale, or two hour, or, or it's split between two nights or something. But that's supposed to be a big deal. But that's gonna happen. What is this now? We're toward the end of April, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so all this should happen. I think they've got how many more episodes, uh, Sarah, do you know, off the top of your head? Because they did eight, right? Mm -hmm. Originally they were going to do 16, but now they're only going to do, like, 13 or 14. That's what I heard, 13 or 14 as well. I don't know exactly right. what they're going to do with it. I thought they were taking this big break, and then they were going to do the rest of them, um, you know, week for week. Yeah, 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 I think so, because that way... It'll come to its big sort of climax in the middle of sweeps, which is what God intended. And so. then... <laughs> uh, aren't you so excited, Peter? For, yeah, I am pretty much. I mean, I'm kind of... You know, the thing is, it's like, for me, there's a lot of... When it goes away for a few weeks and my attention just sort of wavers, it's like, then I kind of like... It's like, oh, yeah, cool, I can't wait. But I don't get that same kind of overwhelming sense of, oh, my God, oh, my God, that was that I was feeling when it was actually on. But I'm sure that will all be reignited like about two minutes after the next episode begins. totally i feel you like i haven't like now that i've been able to distance myself from it i feel like less of a crazy lost person yeah but now that it's getting closer again i'm like oh god thursday i can't wait that was well, but you know worst case i won't even be here on thursday night i gotta go i gotta 
I got to go with uh, accompany a, a class of children on a, on an overnight thing. So. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, please please tell me for what for what kind of overnight thing? Oh, it's my kids. My, one of my kids is doing this Oregon Trail thing. You have died of dysentery. Well, doesn't it start at? Um, isn't it starting to start at ten? This week, so I mean, couldn't you just go and buy like one of those crappy little TVs with an antenna for like for like fifteen bucks and then watch it after the kids go to bed? Well, but I I could if I were that crazy. I love the idea of naturing off in the woods while Peter's huddled over some bad television. <laughs> he is a TV critic. I'm just tree. saying it doesn't seem that far. It's part of range. your job. You could be part of your uh, part of your financial and fiduciary responsibility. Well, yeah, I suppose I could do that, but if um, you were nuts. But then I think it would def- I think it would it would run contrary to the spirit of the event. All right. You'll have to forgive us. We're projecting the things we would do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I, I got to tell you, I had the same sort of thing. Well, two things. One, and I know that you're not a Dexter fan, but Sarah and I had that thing where we just binged on that show oh. because it was out on DVD. <laughs> like I watched f- the first two seasons. I think in about five days, uh, I powered through the entire first two seasons, and now. Uh, I'm sort of you know the, the weird thing about technology that lets you sort of compress and accelerate the television experience because there was about six days where Sarah and I on the air were geeking out about Dexter every single day and it's because we were busy watching it but now I'm sort of done and I'm done until season three comes out at which point I'll sort of geek out about it again same thing with Battlestar Galactica which I had watched and then you know I had not really thought about it until about a couple Fridays ago when season four the the fourth and final season of it began and uh, you know and then suddenly you just kind of feel yourself being swept back into it um you know, all over again. And it's especially that way when you're going into a series that's heading down the finish line because this is the final season for Battlestar. Mm-hmm. There's, what, this season of Lost and then one more? Two more? Like two more. Two more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then The Shield is ramping up. I don't even know when that show's coming back. Is it January 2009? Do you Ooh, know? Ooh, you know, they got a little screwed over by that their uh, strike. I think it might be back in the fall. Are you kidding me? Fall of 2009? No, 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 dude. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. There's that disproportionate... There's that me hiding behind a tree with a small television watching the show streak of me coming out. <laughs> I think. I could be wrong. It might be January, but I think a lot of it was in the can before the strike. But then they got messed up because um, the, 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 the creator guy couldn't be there. Sean like, Ryan. Sean Ryan couldn't be there to, like, shoot the last episode and cut, like, the last two or three. And I think they decided to, instead of dealing him out for the end of his big show, they were going to just give him time. Can I just tell you that it is very emblematic of me as a person that I've just got more momentarily angry about that than I've gotten about any, like, actual political issue that's happened in the last, I don't know, 18 months or so? Oh, man, you must be an American. I really am an American, Peter Carlin, to the core. Um, all right, uh, well, let's see. Oh, and uh, I think we have a... Uh, also, there's a little bit of an announcement regarding you. May, may we make that? I don't know. What did I do? <laughs> do you have any idea to what I'm referring? You clue me in. I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting here on the edge of my seat, man. What is, tell me. Tell me. I wonder I, if this is something you agreed to and now don't remember. Oh. Oh, is it the roast thing? <laughs> well, I thought Peter, that well, would have come thanks. out already. Thanks. That's really Thanks so awesome. much, sir. Thanks for letting really us uh, announce. Thanks for deflating yeah. the announcement. I appreciate well, what, what it. What was I supposed to do? Thanks for drinking my milkshake right there. I appreciate that. Um, yes, ladies. Sir, do we have a drum roll? You invited me to to, to, to <laughs> muse on what I thought it was. I, I didn't know that you were going to sort of. I thought you'd maybe give us the green light to mention it, then we would do some sort of small build up and but then remember reveal. the part where I wasn't sure what you were talking about? <laughs> I didn't know what I was green lighting. <laughs> fair fair Touche, Peter Carlin. It's All like, right. what, it could have been you, sir, are getting divorced. <laughs> oh. I'm leaving Mrs. Emerson for your wife. 
that sort of thing. This call's taking an odd turn. No, well, I'm just saying that the, the horizon seemed uh, unlimited. Open. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Rick Emerson, Listener Party, uh, 2008, Emerson's 11 is the title of that, happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, featuring the Rick Emerson Roast, Roastmaster, K2's Carl Click. Uh, roasters uh, to include Sarah X. Dillon, Byron Beck uh, from the Willamette Week, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, and Peter Carlin of The Oregonian. Hooray! Yay. Okay. I, I assumed all that would have been out already. <laughs> no, we're sort of revealing it gradually to the people. So, wait, but did like all these, but did they already knew that, that the thing was happening, right? Yes, they knew the thing was happening. We are slowly revealing uh, the list of roasters. So, you are the latest to be revealed in our patented dramatic fashion just now. I'm so thrilled. What am I supposed to wear? <laughs> um, I don't know. Sarah, what are you wearing? I don't know. Maybe something like a I choker? Don't know. Maybe pumps? What day of the week is that? That's by a the thir- way, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday, May 15th. Thursday. 8 p.m. Oh, geez, that losses on that night. I can't do this. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and I'm the crazy one for <laughs> suggesting you bring a little mini TV with you. You should Boy. totally do that. You should totally bring a TV to the dais with you, just sitting up there on the, sta- on the stage. That would be really weird. Like a television watch. That could be okay. part of, your, uh, part of your, your kooky persona. That would be cool, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, yes, Thursday, uh, May 15th, uh, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom. Uh-huh. And uh, I sent you, and you should have received, uh, a list of all the other roasters. Yeah. Um, and so uh, kind of anybody who's there is a, is fair game for your rapier-like wit. But I barely know what I'm going to say about you. Well. <laughs> hey, we're in the same boat, Peter. I have you, no idea. Well, you got three and a half weeks. You can, if you can, you can, uh, you can come up with something, uh, you can come up with something barbed if I give you three or four weeks to come up with it, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if you really, really work at it, you could probably come up with a cutting remark or two in three weeks. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I could do that. <laughs> I could, on you, that would be easy. I, I would I would have stuff to say. Okay. Well. But, yeah, no, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be just great fun. Uh, as far as what to wear, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, it's a roast, and it's kind of, you know, we're doing a little bit of a nightclub kind of vibe. Mm. Uh, so I think as far as, like, myself and... Uh, Tim Riley and the other show folk, I think we're going to be kind of tuxed up. But, I mean, you you should feel no – don't feel any compulsion to do that yourself. Yeah, good. Because I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but but other than that um, – I okay. think the thing that comes through the most is how in, how invested in this you really are. It's the, the degree to which the you – The passion you, to which you – No, you know, it's, uh, it's I'm delighted. I, I'm just really eager. Uh, is there like – you know, Mrs. Carlin wanted to know. I, I was mentioning this to her, uh-huh. and she said uh, – she says, well, is it like a benefit or something? It's to benefit our ratings. Well, that's what I was kind of gently proposing that that might be the case. It is, it's to benefit uh, our paychecks and future employment with CBS. But there's like, but, people, but someone's going to be selling drinks and stuff? Uh, well, the venue will be. There's no ticket. There's no cover. It is. I mean, all kidding aside, we do one of these every year right. just as a big thank you to the audience because, uh, you know, because there's a whole story about it. But, I mean, the reason that CBS even hired us was because the audience kind of raised a real ruckus when Entercom blew us out. So yeah. so we do one of these every year to sort of thank people for listening thank people for being out there. I mean, the Crystal's going to be selling booze, of course. Uh, but, oh. uh, but there's, I mean, it's not like it's not it's not going to help cure anything. But you'll Except be sobriety. My drinks, I have to think, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you call yes, dibs. That means I'm, that means I'm not paying for Byron's. There was one one slot open. You've grabbed it. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So it, it, Thursday, May fifteenth, my friend. Okay. All right. So uh, until then, are you around next week? Are you back in the country now, kind of for good? Yeah. This All right. Is my passport. So. <laughs> All right, so we will uh, we will uh, track you down next Monday around the same time for more of your scintillating wit and conversation. Okay. All right, best to Mrs. Carlin and all the little uh, Carlins. 
Thank you. All right. Bye now. See you. Bye-bye. There you go. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. All right. So you've got to pick one or the other. Tim or Richie? Uh, Tim. Because Timmy Ryan came all the way in to do Tim's news. Okay. So uh, Rich, Richie's here every day. I'll take a break here. We'll come back. Timmy Ryan will do some headlines around the corner. Uh, he'll also be here in the afternoon uh, doing Tim Riley's news, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Stay there. We return after this. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the show. Like is at 3, Michael Mara at 7 tomorrow, Charlie Murphy. Uh, let's see, Ooh. coming up Friday, Jonathan Colton will be in the studio, favoring us with some of his musical compositions. Um, let's see, what else? i got a big pile of, uh, of stuff to get to, but I'll have to do that tomorrow. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the Ministry of Truth, in for Tim Riley, this is Timmy Ryan. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. On? Microphone off. Oh, sorry. Let me do that again. Ready? Howdy. Hi, Timmy Ryan. Today's, today's mini pearl day. Is it? In my is my... that like a little tiny woman with with a pearl necklace on and a hat? Yeah, yeah. Mini with the, pearl with, with the with the price tag, you know, hanging out the hat. So I went howdy because I was watching the Grand Old Opry last night. There should was... totally be a midget country singer named Mini Pearl. Rick, I'm I'm really offended by your use of Mini the word Pearl. This is a little person, right? All right. They're a little person, okay? It's a little person, Pearl. All right. So do I read news now? Oh, okay. Let's get to it then. I suppose you could just juggle. All right. A father killed a son in a hunting accident after making a mistake of identifying him as a turkey. This happening in Minnesota. The Sibley County Sheriff says that a man who accidentally shot and killed his nine-year-old son while they're hunting apparently mistook the boy for a turkey. Why did you choose this story to Why would you with? start off with Why that? would you lead your news with this? Because, you know, it's towards the end of a show. for humor and... in your head? Look, when a boy gets Don't, shot... Because he... Let's go to the next story. Let's move on. We're going to pull the ripcord on that. What is wrong with you? You can hear this kind of news at 4, 5, 6, and 7, by the way, top of the hour all the way through. Like us. Here's Timmy Ryan. All right, let's do some American Idol elimination news. <laughs> he knows that so well. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, here we go, because as we all know, that gets the 25, 54-year-old demographic. Now, wait, is this... Now, from when is this news? Well, you gave me a big pile, so I decided to... I gave you a big pile. pile. <laughs> all right. All right. And I got kicked out of the back prod room where I was printing out news, so I just kind of relied on whatever you had thrown around. I wonder how much of that news is stuff that Tim pulled last week and that now actually has uh, no relevance of any kind. What day is today? Today is Monday the... 21st. Oh, so no, this is this is from uh, it's 4 20. So okay, it's so okay. it's from yesterday. Yes. All right. All right. Allison American Idol singer Christy Lee Cook is opening up about her elimination on last week's show. MTV.com reports that the 23-year-old uh, admits it was tough to leave as she felt only... I'm sucking today. As she felt she was only getting stronger and better. She also notes that she thinks her last song, Mariah Carey's Forever, was her, quote, best performance so far, and adds that she believes she had at least another week in her. Yeah! Compelling news. Can you hear me in the back? Did you stick your pen in your coffee? No. Okay. No, I think I'm not. I bumped my coffee. Cup. I'm out of it again today. I'm, I'm not 100%. <laughs> no. Long, <laughs> long night last night? 
Oh, let me ask you this. Let's just dispense with the news for a second. I was playing wiffle ball. Let me... Don't say that. No, I was playing wiffle ball. I joined a professional wiffle oh, ball league. Oh, okay. And I played for like eight <laughs> hours yesterday, and I'm hurting like a... You played wiffle ball for yes. eight hours? Can I say hurting like a whore on the air? So anyway... Are you? Let me just ask you this. So, are you um, stalking Sarah at her various drinking holes at night? No, no. He just he lives next to the. Um, well, his girlfriend lives next to the. She's station. not my girlfriend. How long is this going to go on before she's going to be your girlfriend? You guys have been together for like months and months, and you're always pawing each other in public. And I see you walking in holding hands. That looks pretty boyfriend girlfriend. I was not holding hands with her. I think well, you were kind she, of holding. Faces. I think she was propping. <laughs> I was holding her lips. I think she was propping me up. <laughs> All right, so how now? How long have you been with whatever this girl's name is? Oh, Shelly? Shelly. Uh, God, uh, since the day after uh, Valentine's Day. So that's uh, what? So that's two months? More than two months? Two and a half months? Really? Something like Jesus. that? Yeah. So that's two and a half months. That's a long time for me. And so now, is she seeing anybody else? If I'm ask? Not that I know of. If are you seeing anybody else? If I'm ask? Not that she knows of. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God. So so you are? Would you say that you are dating? Would you say that somebody is dating Timmy Ryan? that ends in ING, we're probably doing right now. <laughs> wow. How long? How much longer do we have? Three glorious minutes. We could do random phone calls. Why don't we do this, Timmy? Uh, why don't we... Uh, let's find another news story over there. Right there. There's, a, there's that, and there's also a pile right there to the right of your keyboard. Oh. All right. And in the meantime, we'll also do this. Uh, we will now uh, to be taking random phone calls, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, please now to be calling with your random observations and questions. 503-733-2970. In the meantime, here's Timmy Ryan with another, right. another swing at the news apple. News apple. Here's another uh, breaking news story. All right. A topless woman directs traffic in the land, wherever the hell that is. A topless woman... Said God told her to stand at a street corner and direct traffic, but police believe she was mentally ill and then took her to a facility for treatment. They should have just taken her to Hooters, given her a job. Let's try one more of those. Oh, all right. This one involves an earthquake. This is important stuff. Okay. Aftershocks are being felt after the early morning earthquake that hit several states in the nation's midsection, the midsection being... Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, the U.S. Geological Survey gave an aftershock felt in Louisville, Kentucky, a magnitude of 4.6. That's not that bad. That's not that big. Okay. So, whatever. So, they're all going to die there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How's your day going? My day is going wonderful. How can I help you, sir? I just wanted to suggest that uh, perhaps every day is Earth Day, sir. Thank you. That is a, that's a lesson we should all learn. By the way, for the record, somebody is doing uh, Google searches on this, and the interweb does seem evenly split on whether Earth Day is today or tomorrow. There does not seem to be a definitive answer. Uh, apparently some calendars even have it as today, while others have it as the 22nd. So, all right. Well, in the uh, newspaper this morning, uh, Hillary told um, Sally Forth and Ted that tomorrow's Earth Day. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Good reference. Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how how long until uh, Jimmy Ryan gets his own weekend show, for God's sake? I mean, this kind of humor is, you know, you, you can't buy this stuff. Are you being sarcastic, sir? No, I'm absolutely being completely serious. I tell him as much when I listen to him on the country station whenever he's on. All right, well. Oh. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm on no other stations. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll pass it along to management. All right, then. I'm sure Thank I'm you, my friend. Right on that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Timmy Ryan, would you like to dress like a turkey and go? <laughs> no, no, no. 
I, you're, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. You Hello. You think still got out, though? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, that's, that's not why I believe it. Hi. There's, there's a whole thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, so last week um, you guys played the robotic Bill Pullman speech? Yes, we did. Um, didn't you have a plan a while ago to make that out of uh, Kiss liners? I'm sorry? You were going to have Kiss record a bunch of liners for, like, their third... Oh, no, we tried. Uh, when we did the, the giveaway for Kissology Volume 3, I had a bunch of phrases from the Independence Day speech hidden in a bunch of liners. And my goal yeah. was to ha get them to record all of them so that I could piece together Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons doing the Independence Day speech. Uh, but at the last moment, they ended up not doing any liners for any station, so they didn't do any recording for that. So that fell through, sir. Oh, I was, I was waiting for that. Yeah, well, stand by. All right, thank you. We All have right, the news bot in the morning, though. That's right. Uh, if you heard, uh, if you listened to this morning, you heard the news bot at 10 a.m. So be listening tomorrow morning uh, for the news bot right here on this radio station. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AIM 70 Talent State Radio. The news from Tim Riley and Timmy Ryan filling in. Thank you, Tim thank Ryan. Thank you, Timmy Ryan. And here's Tim Ryan at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, webmistress is Bridget, and the uh, CBS Radio Portland Marconi Guru, Susan Reynolds. See you tomorrow. Bye now.